Hello everyone, I hope you're all doing well. As the weather continues to get colder, you might as well cozy up and listen to a few good stories that we have for you. They'll be sure to give you the chills, even without going outside. Let us begin as we drift further into Mr. Creep's mind. My brother works the night shift security at the mall. His last shift was disturbing. Written by Jordan Grobe This all happened when I was around 18 years old. My brother was working as a security guard in an abandoned mall and I decided to drive over to visit him during the night shift. The place was about 30 minutes from where we lived with my parents. I got there around 1am. We were sitting in the old rundown office together and I noticed that he didn't seem too concerned with the usual rules and etiquette of traditional workplaces. For instance, he was rolling a joint in the desk and he had a PS2 hooked up to a small TV that he had brought from home. I asked if he was worried that his supervisor would come by. Wouldn't he get in trouble if he was caught smoking weed or if I was seen hanging out with him during his shift? Not to mention the gaming system that he had hooked up. Dude, I don't give a crap about this job. And besides, the boss man's only comes by once in the past three months that he stayed for about all of five minutes. They don't care about what I'm doing over here as long as I show up. He put his feet up on the desk and lit the joint right there in the office, tapping ashes all over the floor. I couldn't help but admire his courage and nihilistic mentality. He was three years older than me and I wasn't used to taking such big risks in the workplace. But he had said that he didn't care about the job, so I decided to just roll with it. We played video games for a little while in the mildew-smelling office. A surveillance feed was hooked up to a TV in the corner, with a grainy video showing the outside of the building. It scrolled up and up endlessly, making me feel sick to my stomach every time that I looked at it. What's with the survey camera? Can't you fix that? Meh. He said, shrugging his shoulders. I tried fiddling with the dials myself, but it just made things worse. In the end, I settled on leaving it roughly the same way that I had found it. After hanging out for a couple of hours, I started to yawn. Feeling sleepy and bored, I was about to stand up and say that I was heading home. And that was when Noel asked if I wanted to go with him on a patrol through the abandoned mall. It was 3am at this point and I was tired but I decided hey what the heck. I was off from school for the summer so it wasn't like I had to wake up early in the morning. Plus he made it sound pretty interesting. Okay sure let's go. You got an extra flashlight. Oh heck yeah check this bad boy out. He handed me a huge black mag light and then gave me a security jacket with his company's logo on it. A white knight and a steed holding the lance. Just in case anybody runs into us, it'll make you look more official. There are homeless folks who get in here sometimes and we gotta kick them out. So don't be surprised if you see somebody. No way, for real? Yeah, it's only happened once or twice though. We left the office and proceeded into the large open space of the abandoned shopping mall. It had been shut down for years and it was scheduled for demolition at some point in the indeterminate future. 
The place was massive, I realized as we got further in. Since the mall was in a neighboring town that I didn't visit often, I didn't know too much about it. Everything looked ancient though. It was like entering a ghost town where no one had visited for decades and everything was perfectly preserved. There's some really cool stuff on the lower level, Noel said. Come on, I'll show you. And going past various shops and kiosks, I saw that everything had been left behind in many of the stores. Much of the merchandise still lined the shelves, covered in dust and grime. I saw bags of chips and candy bars, with retro-style lettering on them, with wrappers that I didn't recognize. Many of the stores were shuttered, but a few were open, and you could walk around inside if you so wished. How long has this place been closed up for? This stuff all looks ancient. I don't know, but it weirds me out too. Like, why the heck is this place still here? You'd think they would have done something with the property by now. I'm guessing this mall has been shuttered for decades. By the sounds of it, Noel didn't know much more about the building than I did, despite the fact that he worked there. It was dark and I had to use my flashlight to see where I was going. I was beginning to feel a lot more frightened the further that we got. It reminded me of going urban exploring. This felt very similar to that rush, as we didn't know when there could be an unsavory character around the next corner at my time. Crackheads or squatters, you never know who you'd run into. What folks you would find making use of the dark, unseen spaces left hidden from the general populace. My heart was pounding in my chest, but I didn't want to admit that to my older brother. He was marching ahead as if this was all no big deal and didn't seem particularly worried. When we got to the stairs and went down to the lower level, there was a food court and even more shops down there. I stared in wonder at them all. It was amazing that the huge place and all the businesses there had closed, and I wonder how such a thing could have happened. why this place shut down anyways? I don't know, man. When I ask the other guards who live around here, they treat me like I'm an idiot for questioning it. Like it's just the way that things are meant to be. It got to the point where I don't ask questions anymore. Over here, this is what I wanted to show you. He led me into an old computer store on the lower level. There were monitors and old hard drives everywhere. Random computer parts scattered the floors and lined the shelves. It looked like the place had been ransacked by people who had thrown things all over. Probably Noel, I had guessed. All the technology in the store looked dated and ancient though. Worthless for any practical purposes. This is pretty cool, I've got to admit. Oh yeah, check this out, grab a monitor. We each picked up a computer monitor and I followed after him as he carried it out of the abandoned store. He led me a few doors over to another defunct and dilapidated establishment. No way there's a bowling alley down there. Dang right there is. We entered the giant echoing space and I saw that there were roughly a dozen lanes. A small snack bar and a shoe counter were over to our left, dusty and neglected looking. The racks still had bowling balls on them and I couldn't help but marvel once again at the ghost town quality of the place. I couldn't understand why nobody had taken the bowling balls or the shoes. Weren't those things worth some money? Even if it wasn't a lot, why didn't the owners want to recoup their losses and to sell off the remaining inventory? 
Noel took the computer monitor that he was carrying and he brought it out onto one of the lanes. He set it down carefully with the glass facing towards us and instructed me to do the same on the adjacent lane. This is what I like to do when I'm bored at night here, he said, grabbing a bowling ball from a nearby rack. I saw what he meant when I looked at the other lanes and saw the smashed computer consoles and monitors. The debris from repeated bowling ball impacts scattered everywhere. He lined up and took a very professional looking approach. One, two, and three steps. He slid forward as slightly, but was careful not to cross the dirt-covered black line as he released the ball with a flourish and it rolled loudly down the lane, spinning left toward the computer monitor. The glass exploded into the air and went everywhere as the bowling ball impacted the computer monitor with a loud, echoing crash. Steerike! A nice one. Heck yeah, man. You try. It's pretty fun. I approached the line in a similar fashion and was about to release the bowling ball when I saw something out of the corner of my eye. There was a person watching us from the shadows at the end of the lanes. I saw them for just a second as I released the ball. The distraction was enough to throw off my release and the ball stuck in my thumb. It went flying up into the air, landing with a heavy crack on the lane. Whoa, easy man, what the heck are you doing? There was somebody over there behind that door. I barely recognized my own voice, sounding shaky and frightened despite my best efforts. The figure was gone now and the hidden door was closed once again. What are you talking about? I don't see anybody. That panel opened up like a door, didn't you see it? There was a guy looking at us from behind it. Come on, let's go call the cops or something. He looked at me disbelievingly. It was probably just your imagination, but like I said, we do get the odd person wandering in here. Let's go check for ourselves. If there's somebody hiding back there, we can just tell them that they have to leave. And what if they don't want to go? Oh, come on, you're such a wuss. There's two of us and one of him. He started walking down the lane towards the camouflaged door at the end. I guessed that it was where the bowling alley workers would go through to get behind the pins and fix problems if needed. There was probably a squatter back there by the looks of it. We had likely woken him up with our loud ruckus. I showed Noel the panel and sure enough, there was a hidden latch that I managed to find with my fingers after a few moments of searching. We opened it and I allowed Noel to go first. This was his idea after all, as we went into the hidden maintenance area. There was a very narrow corridor perpendicular to the lanes with access to all of the pens. It was dark and I couldn't see anyone hiding. Not that there was anywhere to hide, I realized. The space was very minimal. And then I noticed another door. It was narrow and short with a doorknob that was much lower than typically seen right around my knees. One would have to duck to go through it as well, since the top of the door was only about four feet off the ground. Weird, I said, walking over to it, but I felt strangely drawn towards it. I decided for some reason that I really needed to know what was behind that odd white door. Opening it up, I found another staircase, very narrow and steep, leading down a long, long ways. What's up with this place? Man, this is so messed up, Noel said. 
He pushed past me and ducked as if he were about to go through the strange, undersized door and down the stairs. My heart was pounding in my chest, and my rational mind was screaming at him to stop. And yet another more overwhelming voice was overriding that one, and telling me to go down there with him, to see and explore the depths underneath this place. Noel's foot hovered over the edge and he was about to take a step down, but then he stopped. What? Do you feel it too? Feel what? Like you have to go down there. I almost feel like I can't stop myself right now. Why do I want to go down there so badly? Yeah, I, I feel it too. Maybe we should go back. This is really weird. It was a struggle to get out the words and to turn around. It was even more difficult. But I managed to do it. When I spun around, I saw a short, squat figure standing behind me in the dark corridor. He had pointed ears and was smiling at me with a mouth full of many sharp little teeth. He was dressed in black and wore a hood. His lips and the lower half of his face was that of a man with a beard, but the top half of his face revealed that to only be a mask. That part of the facade was missing, like a phantom of the opera, a mask in relief. From the cheekbones and nose up, there was nothing human. Giant blue and pink worms made up the rest of the humanoid creature's face. They squirmed and wriggled around his huge mosquito eyes and in and out of his skeletal and fleshless nose. Looking at him was like laying eyes on a nightmare while awake. It was unsettling and wrong, and it felt awful and did hurt my mind, causing a break there. It felt as if everything I thought I knew about the world, about life, and about the universe, it was all wrong like everything had been turned upside down. As I gasped in horror and staggered backwards away from him, unthinkingly, I bumped into Noel. He tumbled off balance from the ledge and down the staircase. He grabbed onto me, desperate not to fall. Instead of saving him, though, I fell along with him. Each time I felt the impact of the stone staircase against my body, I wondered if a bone was shattered or broken. Such was the extraordinary pain that accompanied it. When we finally hit the bottom, I was hurting everywhere, worse than I ever had before. Looking up, I felt dizzy, and I saw the hooded figure far up above. He was a tiny silhouette in the distance. My head was going round in circles and the light of the flashlight began to flicker. And that was when the door closed and I heard it click shut and then lock, the sound echoing down to us. We were imprisoned in the darkness below the mall. I could see stone walls all around us, making a corridor that led a long distance in both ways. The place looked ancient but well-preserved. Noel. He was lying unconscious next to me on the stone floor of the sub-basement, where we were now trapped. The last thing I saw was that he was still breathing, and then the light flickered once more and stayed off completely. I was left in total darkness. Lifting up my hand in front of my face, I couldn't see an inch away from my eyes. There was complete silence all around me. Until, the sound of movement approaching, not footsteps but the slithering slide across stone that accompanies a serpent. And that was when I felt cool, firm scales grasping my ankle. Whatever it was wrapped around my leg and I was too dizzy and hurt to scream. 
and the world went from shadowy blackness to nothingness as I slipped into the nightmare realm of unconsciousness. When I awoke, everything was bathed in an eerie blue light. I saw that Noel was lying next to me, staring and looking like he was about to wake up as well. We were in a huge underground chamber with tall, vaulted stone ceilings high above us. The place appeared ancient. I saw strange hieroglyphics on the walls and the towering arches. A massive pool of water was right in front of us, and I saw that there was the blue light emanating from it. Deep within that body of water, the light shone up from the bottom. Noel opened his eyes, and I was examining our surroundings. He sat up slowly and looked at me in disbelief. What happened? Where are we? And then everything came back to me. The man with the giant worms crawling in his face, falling down the stairs and the sound of snakes coming towards us. The thing grabbing my ankle had apparently brought us both here. I brought Noel up to speed. Oh man, what the? Are you serious right now? Unfortunately, yeah. Let's get out of here, I don't like this place one bit. We began to rise groggily to our feet when the ground started to shake. The stone floor around us began to crack and heave and sway. I looked down and saw the ground beneath our feet was covered in ornate, finely carved symbols and hieroglyphics. One of them in particular caught my eye. It showed a pair of men beside a large pool of water. The next image showed tentacles emerging from the pool. The next panel showed a huge squid-like beast rising from the water. The men were ensnared by the great monster and then finally, they were consumed by it in the last image. Okay, yeah, let's really get out of here. I managed to get to my feet despite the shaking ground and I avoided falling down a spreading gap created as a crack on the stone floor began to spread. We tried to run but we were thrown to the side and fell, off balance to the floor again. Something grabbed Noel. A tentacle from the water lashed out at him and wrapped around his ankle like a lasso in an instant. He screamed as it dragged him to the edge of the water. I reached out to grab him in an instant, too late, and I watched as his fingernails dug into the stone floor, snapping and breaking off as his shrill cries of terror echoed in the chamber. His broken fingernails left white marks on the hieroglyphics, and I watched in horror as he disappeared off the edge into the water, his face a frozen scream. I heard the sound of crashing waves and saw a form beginning to emerge from the blue-lit waters. Rising from the giant pool was a behemoth unlike anything I had ever seen. It was a monstrous squid with hundreds of tentacles, various lengths and diameters that squirmed and slapped angrily at the water. One of them had Noel in its grasp, and I saw that he was gasping for air still screaming as the thing dropped in toward its giant, gaping maw. He fell, his legs kicking and arms flailing as he dropped down towards the pit of its mouth and disappeared. His screams were cut off instantly, and I realized that I had just watched my only brother die. Unable to even comprehend the horror of what I had just witnessed, my eyes continued to follow it as the monster rose to even more impossible heights. Its face had a dozen red searching eyes and it rose up higher than I thought possible, almost touching the distant stone ceiling above me. Noel, 
I was in shock, unable to move, and perhaps that aided me. I wondered later if the creature's vision was limited to movement, because the second that I turned and began to run, the beast spotted me instantly. I heard the sound of tentacles slithering towards me like giant pythons and I raced towards the door leading out of the chamber. There appeared to be a torch hanging from the wall and I grabbed it and dashed out into the adjacent corridor. It didn't occur to me at that moment to wonder who had lit the torch but I would soon find out. My feet slapped against the damp stone floor as I raced down the hall and away from the creature. I had no idea where I was running to. Only that I had to escape that place. As I neared an intersecting hallway, I heard the low rumbling sound of chanting voices. The flickering shine of a candle against the wall signified someone's approach. Skidding to a stop, I halted just in time, as I saw a procession of hooded figures pass through just ahead. They did not even glance at me, just continued their march. Each of them held a torch and I saw they looked just like the man from the bowling alley. The top halves of their faces were consumed by giant worms. The bottom half were that of men's faces with long flowing beards. I covered the flame of the torch as best as I could with the large security jacket that Noel had given me, turning away from them. I guessed that they didn't see me in the shadows and continued to stay quiet until their low rumbling chants were no longer audible. Once I was sure that they were gone, I ran down the way they had come from, thinking that it might lead me out. And either way, I wanted to get as far from them as possible, so I went the opposite direction that they were going. I turned right down another corridor, and after running that way for a long while, I chanced upon the staircase that we had fallen down, running up the steps as quickly as I could, and I found the door was still locked at the top. There was no other choice but to try to break it down. With no real space in the top stair to take a running start, it was difficult to knock the door down, but I tried. I rammed into it with my shoulder again and again until it hurt like crazy and then I switched to the other side. Nothing that I did made any difference. The door was solid. I screamed and banged on it with my fist desperately, hoping someone would hear and come let me out. Panicked thoughts were running through my brain and all I knew was that I had to get out of there in that moment. My heart was pounding in my chest and I was covered in sweat, shaking and terrified, hammering on the door over and over again. And then the sound of low, rumbling chants came from the bottom of the stairs and I saw a flickering candlelight coming from down the hallway, drawing nearer. My cries for help rose in pitch and volume as I banged on the door once more jiggling the handle and doing anything I could to get it open. I then heard the sound of a key turning in the lock and it opened, revealing a tall man wearing a security guard's uniform. Who the heck are you? he asked. Pushing past him, I ran out of there and made my way out into the darkened bowling alley where he caught up with me. He grabbed my arm and stopped me. Wrenching it away from them, I began to scream again, hysterical. We need to get out of here. Worm people, squid monster, they got Noel. The man in the security uniform looked at me incredulously. For Pete's sake, man, Noel's getting high during work again, isn't he? What are you guys doing, tripping on mushrooms or something? And what the heck are you talking about? Worm people and squid monsters, really? 
I saw that his jacket said a supervisor on it. Despite my immediate loathing for the man, I was happy that he was there. At least he had opened the door with his grand master key, allowing me to escape. I'm Noel's brother, and I was giving him some much-needed backup down there. You guys made him patrol this place alone, and now he's dead because of it. There is a murderous secret society living beneath us in an underground temple right now. They sacrifice people to a giant squid monster. He gave me that look again. Yeah, okay, so not mushrooms then. You want LSD, ayahuasca, what kind of weird stuff are you kids into these days? Either way, tell Noel when you see him that he's fired. The guy let me go and I ran out of there as fast as I could, screaming in grief and frustration, threatening to sue and to call the cops. But instead, I got back in my car and I drove home. I mean, obviously, I couldn't sleep. I tossed and turned, trying to figure out what I would tell my parents. When the sun rose, I would have to explain to them that their eldest son was dead, killed by a giant carnivorous squid monster. They wouldn't take that well. Hours passed and finally the sun came up. After I heard my folks had been up for a little while, I went out to the living room to tell them that what had happened, or at least a version of it that they would be able to accept. What that was, I still didn't know. They said good morning and then saw my face and looked at me with worried eyes. I opened my mouth to tell them what had happened, but then the front door opened up. It was Noel returning from his night shaft. He came in the front door looking fresh, despite what had happened. He was unscathed and didn't have a scratch on him. His fingernails were shiny and clean and healthy looking, despite the fact that I had seen them break off as he was dragged across the stone floor of the sacrificial chamber. And that was when I knew that it was not my brother. The worms beneath his skin squirmed and wriggled for just a moment, as if hearing my mind's protests deforming his facial features. And then it smoothed out and became plain again. Noel came up the stairs and smiled, looking at me. Hey, morning, little bro. Gotta say, I'm surprised to see you awake so early. You had a late night, after all. As speechless, I stared at him with my jaw hanging down. Early bird catches the worm, my mom said cheerfully. Now who wants breakfast? Would you believe me if I told you there was a podcast that was haunted? It's called Two Girls, One Ghost. Hosts Corinne and Sabrina didn't want to believe it at first, but five years later and hundreds of encounters submitted by listeners, they can no longer ignore it. Two Girls, One Ghost is the most haunted podcast in America. We're talking EVPs scattered throughout episodes, spirits attempting to make contact with listeners, and orbs darting through their YouTube videos. Paranormal enthusiasts Sabrina and Corinne explore the deepest, darkest, spookiest places in the world, delivering doses of research, history, and spine-tingling tales. If possessed kids crawling backwards up walls, campers entranced in fey orgies, and creatures chasing drivers down back roads is your thing, tune into Two Girls, One Ghost wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes are released every Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. I work as a pizza driver, and I think I just made a delivery to the back rooms. Written by Jordan Grobe. 
The crumbling gray stone front of 4311 N Street stared down at me as I pulled up outside. The old office building had a dark, cold feeling to it, causing me to shiver momentarily. As I cut the engine and the rattle of my old Honda ceased abruptly. There were stories told about this building, and not the feel-good, happy kind. The rumor had it that the century-old tower was cursed. Unexplainably high death rates of those working in the building were the first clue, but there were others. The elevators broke down with people in them constantly. There were accidents and injuries far beyond the norm. At least once a year, someone jumped from the roof. I looked in the back seat and grabbed the insulated pizza bag and a crumpled paper sack filled with dipping sauce and soda. The smell of pizza wafted into my nostrils for the thousandth time that night, and for once it didn't make me hungry. Instead, I just felt tired and sick to my stomach. It had been a long day. Heading to the front entrance, part of me wondered who could be here so late at night. It was past 11 and I would have thought that most workers would have gone home for the day. But when I buzzed the number that I had been given to let me in, a man answered in a tired sounding voice. Hello? His words came through the intercom, fuzzy and filled with static. Hey, it's Pushino's Pizza. I got your pie. Yeah, come on up. I'm on floor 19. Just go left after you get off the elevator. It's the only room with the lights still on. The man sounded exhausted and I felt some sympathy for him. At least I would get to go home after this delivery. He sounded like he was still going to be here for a while working late. Nobody orders a pizza at the office if they're planning on going home for supper. He buzzed me in and I walked through a set of glass doors and then another, entering into an enormous foyer. The place looked old on the outside, but within, it was sleek and modern. They had probably renovated it in the last 10 years by the looks of things. The lobby was all polished to steel and glass, aside from one ominous gray stone wall. There is a fireplace straight ahead, like a guidepost leading visitors towards the elevators. As I approached the fireplace, I saw that it was large, almost as tall as me, with a flue of shining steel that stretched up indefinitely, disappearing into the high ceiling above. The place made me feel tiny. It was like being in the house of a giant at the top of a beanstalk. I was completely alone, my footsteps echoing in the dim and empty space. There was something creepy about being here by myself in the night, when this place was normally occupied with hundreds of people, busily marching about with cell phones in hand, high-heeled shoes and leather soles clicking across the polished marble floors, voices buzzing as they mingled together in a cacophony of business talk. But suddenly all that was gone. I had been inside this building before normally a receptionist would be here to greet me, at the front desk, but I guess that they had gone home at this late hour. There wasn't even a janitor or a cleaning lady, mopping floors or shining the windows. Only me. When I arrived at the elevator, I hit the button to go up. It glowed a faint orange and after a few seconds, an elevator door behind me opened with a ding. I got inside and I tried to remember what the floor of the man had said. 
After such a long day, the number of apartments and addresses were blending together, and I couldn't remember if it was floor 18 or 19. My delivery slip was no help either, as it only had the street address and a random buzzer number. Instead of settling on one floor, I hit both buttons at the same time thinking that I would peek my head out and see if there was anyone on the 18th floor before going up to the 19th. I was pretty sure that it was the latter of the two, but this seemed like the quickest way to check. The last thing that I wanted was to be wandering the dark, empty floor of some abandoned office space in the middle of the night. This place was creepy enough as it was without any of that. As the elevator ascended, I heard my stomach gurgle noisily. I had skipped dinner and now it was catching up with me. I felt lightheaded and nauseated and my ears were buzzing slightly and a migraine was forming with a dull pressure behind my eyes, making them feel like overinflated balloons about to pop. Finally, the elevator dinged and I stepped off, rubbing my eyes. When I opened them, I looked around and saw that I was in a hallway with faded yellow wallpaper. The patterns on it looked retro and out of date. It reminded me of a set for a low-budget version of Mad Men, or some movie which had taken place in the 50s or 60s, only more depressing. The fluorescent lights overhead were flickering ever so slightly, as if they needed to be replaced and I began to instinctively move away from them down the hall, trying to avoid making my headache worse. Go left after you get off the elevator, I said to myself, thinking this had to be the right floor. The lights were all on, and despite the poor quality of them, most other sections of the building were blacked out, as seen from outside. As I walked down the hallway looking for an office door, I saw none. It was like this corridor was all perfectly smooth, yellow walls leading towards a turn. Overhead, the lights continued flickering constantly, making me feel even more sick. There was something wrong with the electrical system on this floor of the building, I had guessed. The hallway broke to the right at the end, so I followed it and turned, looking off down another long stretch of unbroken corridor. At the end of this hallway, there was a left turn, and I figured that that was where the office would be. I couldn't help but think that this was an odd configuration for an office. Very odd. Suddenly, I noticed the smell was getting stronger as I walked. It was a powerful odor of mildew, as if I were in an old, rotted basement. This section of the building must have had a recent flood from a bursted pipe or something like that, I thought to myself. The floor was squishy and wet beneath my feet, and I could feel it starting to soak through the seams of my cheap running shoes and moistening my socks. I kept walking, thinking I would have to ask the customer about this weird turn of events once I finally made it to him. But once I got to the end of the corridor, it just led on to another identical hallway. Another long, yellow-walled passageway, leading about 50 yards towards a turn. Whatever this floor was, it was not the right one. It was like a maze of some sort, and I wondered if it was once an escape room that somebody had created at a great cost which had fallen into disrepair. That would explain the layout of the place. Not to mention the smell and the water damage. Maybe they had closed for the pandemic and never reopened again. I knew a few places like that. Deciding that that was likely the case, I turned around and began to head back towards the elevator. 
Obviously, the man had been on the 19th floor after all, and the more that I thought about it, the more sure I became. The man had said, at floor 19, turn left from the elevators and look for the first door with the light on. So I went back the way that I had come, only to find that it wasn't the same as I had left it. I don't know how to explain it any better than that. The walls were the same urine yellow color, with the same hideous, outdated patterns on them. But the corridor had turned right instead of left at the end. It didn't make sense. I had exited the elevator and gone left on the hallway and turned right at the end. I remembered specifically that it was a right turn and I was 100% certain of that fact. But now it was the opposite. Where the hallway should have turned 90 degrees to the left leading back to the elevators, it was now another right turn leading away from them. It was like I had entered some strange mirror world where nothing was how I had left it seconds before. Filling the wallpaper with my hands, I searched for a seam or a hidden panel, thinking that this had to be a trick. I was suddenly picturing a YouTube gag. Maybe I had unwittingly been set up and I was on that prank show on Netflix hosted by Dusty from Stranger Things. My mind raced with possibilities, but none of them felt right. Everything felt awful and wrong with those fluorescent lights constantly flickering overhead. And that horrible, musty, wet smell always in my nostrils. Man, it made me want to puke. Alright, think, 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 I told myself. There has to be a way out. If this was an escape room, was it automated to make the walls move in chains to disorient people? Uh, no, that seemed too far-fetched. And besides, I couldn't find any marks in the floor or any spaces in the walls to allow something like that. No one could make a place that constantly changed like that. It was like something from a horror movie or a science fiction show. Whatever was happening here, it was inexplainable. And it wasn't being done by a person. I was very sure of that now. And my knees were wobbly as I realized that I was trapped in a place that I couldn't comprehend. It wasn't a regular floor of an office building. It was only disguised to look like that. It was like a trap to lure humans inside, the same way that hunters would ensnare an animal. It was a glitch between our reality and the one next to it. A scar in the onion skin of the multiverse allowing me to slip between layers. My heart began to race as sweat rolled down my cheeks and my hands trembling as I picked up my nails. A nervous habit that I had picked up from my late father. A lump rose in my throat as nausea overcame me and I hurled all over the soggy carpeting, dropping my pizza box to the floor where it sank into the shack with a wet, squelching sound. The mildew smell was only getting worse, I realized, as if I were going deeper and deeper into a sickening basement filled with mold. And disbelief ran through my mind for a few seconds. I was tired. I had simply been on autopilot and I had taken another turn without realizing it. I would walk around that corner and around and around after that to find the elevator sitting there waiting for me. I had made an extra turn, that was all, it was so simple. Sure, I had thought there was only two turns, but it had been a long day. My mind was playing tricks on me and that was all. I breathed an unsteady sigh of relief. With that thought firmly planted in my mind, I began to march purposefully down the hallway. 
and then I realized that I had forgotten the pizza and I raced back to get it. But it was gone. The thermal insulated bag which would cost me $50 to replace if I lost it, as well as the customer's order. It was all missing. Vanished as if somebody had walked through the wallpaper and taken it, and then disappeared again behind the yellow facade. But the walls were still smooth and blank. Not a door or a light switch to be seen. There were no Wi-Fi routers attached to the ceiling. No thermostats on the walls or motivational posters like in a regular office. Only flickering fluorescent lights and soggy shag carpeting. Yellow wallpaper and hopeless despair. I took out my cell phone thinking that I would call for help. Somebody would find a way to rescue me from this place. Whatever it was, I just needed to dial 911 and wait for authorities to arrive. But my phone had no signal. Despite my close proximity to a hundred different cell towers, this place was blocking any chance of reaching the outside world. Attempting to dial 911, I found that it wouldn't go through. Nothing would go through. Texts, calls, emails, everything was blocked due to a lack of signal. The thinking icon on my phone just spun around in hopeless circles, never finding an answer. And desperate to get out of this place, I began to run back the way that I had come in, not caring when the hallways didn't go where I expected them to. I just sprinted, terrified, turning down one random corridor after the next, thinking maybe if I ran fast and hard enough, how could I run this place and I would find myself back in front of the elevators again. My feet squelched and I sunk deeper into the shag carpeting, further with each step that I took. As if the furry material beneath my feet was getting longer, like grass left unmowed. No matter how long I ran for, the elevators remained as stubbornly hidden, as if they had blended back into the walls as soon as I had exited them, like alien cloaking equipment in a science fiction movie. And either way, the place was changing. Every time that I left one space and came back to check, it was different than it was before. Finally, the zigzagging corridors ended. I found myself in an empty yellow room. The shag carpeting was now up to the tops of my shoes and I felt like I was sinking into it more with each step. It was like quicksand, sucking at my heels and making me exhausted as I fought against it. Like tiny hands were grasping and pulling at my feet. A filing cabinet sat in one corner of this new room, abandoned. A pencil sat atop it. These were the only signs of anything different that I had seen since getting off the elevator. Stumbling toward it like a desert walker finding an oasis, I grabbed onto the filing cabinet and felt its cool steel, trying to judge for myself whether it was an illusion or not. It felt real. I picked up the pencil and found that its lead had been removed and it was just a hollow tube of wood now. Useless. I had hoped that I could use it to write a message to tell somebody that I had been here, but that wouldn't work now. How long had I been wandering this place for? Suddenly I couldn't remember. It felt like a very, very long time, but strangely, I wasn't hungry anymore. I tried to open the filing cabinet but found the drawers were locked. Attempting to pick the whole thing up, I discovered that it was attached securely to the floor, as if it was bolted in place. Part of me wanted to pick it up and throw it, 
smashing it through one of those disgusting yellow walls, hoping to break through to the other side. But what would I find if I did? If there were more sickly yellow walls and endless twisting corridors, I would lose my mind completely. I tried to pound on the walls of the room with my fist, but found that they were sturdy and unyielding, just like all the others. The only way out was to move forward or to move backward. Suddenly, either one seemed like the same option. The fluorescent lights were particularly bad in this room, flickering with a mind-numbing buzz that would drive most men insane within a matter of minutes. And I had been in here for a while. Again, the concept of time seemed meaningless, as my phone had stopped working and the little clock at the top of the screen was stuck at 11.17pm, around the time when I would gotten into the elevator. But I had been in here for hours, it felt like, maybe longer. If somebody told me that it had been days, I wouldn't have argued. But then again, if somebody else had insisted it was just a few minutes, I would have believed them too. Finally, I got so sick of the flickering hum of the overhead lights that I moved on to the next room. This one was empty. When I looked back, so was the previous one that I had exited. Despite the fact that I had just hugged the cold steel filing cabinet like a newborn moments prior. I wished that I had brought the pencil with me as some trophy or souvenir of reality, decaying and broken as it was. I vowed that if I came across something else like that, I would take it just so that I could hold it in my hand and tell myself that I wasn't crazy, that something else existed besides me, and the damp, shag carpet, yellow wallpaper, and flickering fluorescent lights. But room after room stood empty and unadorned, as I marched through their doorways from one to the next, and then I was back out in the hallways again, roaming through dim corridors with broken fluorescent lights strobing overhead. The same exact, unstopping pale yellow wallpaper remained stubbornly plastered on the walls. Something was different in this section, though. It was a feeling rather than something observable. A feeling like eyes on the back of my neck watching me. I got the impression that I was traveling deeper and deeper into the lair of some horrible monster, getting closer to its mildew-stinking breath. My feet were soaked now and I took off my shoes, tired of the wet squelching sound that they were making constantly. It didn't feel any better walking barefoot, but that sound was gone at least and that helped. The migraine, which had been forming as a dull pressure within my eyeballs, had now spread outwards and infected my forehead, my temples, and the top of my dome. I could feel the vein throbbing above my eye, a signal of the stress that I was under. I kept hearing footsteps behind me and it was making me nervous, but whenever I looked back, there was nobody there. As I rounded the next corner, a thought occurred to me. I pretended to keep walking to move my feet in even smaller cycles so that it sounded as if I was moving away from the corner. And then I peeked my head around the wall and checked to see if someone was following me. And to my horror, there was. I ducked back behind the wall, my heart skipping several beats and fluttering in my chest. Terrified, I checked again and the thing was gone, as if I had just imagined it all. But the image of it was still in my mind. A humanoid form which was creeping towards me on all fours, its legs bent and twisted, elongated and warped, 
Its eyes were yellow, the same color as the walls of this place, but its skin was covered in a fine black coating of fur. Or a shag carpeting, maybe. It had moved with an oily quickness, almost as if it weren't a solid form but a liquid. Its teeth had looked solid, though, and sharp. And I had maintained eye contact with it for just long enough to see it start to smile. A wide grin creeping outwards and spreading from the corners of its lips. Picturing it again, I began to run. The mildew smell was so bad now that it was suffocating. And instead of getting used to it, I found it was only affecting me more. It reminded me of when my dog had gotten skunked and had run all over the house and gotten on all the furniture. Before we could get any of the skunk oil off of her fur. That smell from a distance was only mildly unpleasant. But once you sat in it for a few days, it was unbearable. I would have done anything to get rid of it. A chemical, a crit, horrible smell which invaded my senses, and it made me feel more sick every day that I was around it. This was like that, but a thousand times worse. The mildew felt like it was growing inside of me now, and I could imagine spores of it turning into mushrooms in my lungs as I ran. Just as I had thought that I looked down and saw what I had just imagined, actual mushrooms were growing in the corner of this room as I ran through it. That made me slow down to a walk again, as I realized that I was in a room now and not a hallway. This one was larger than the others, but the lighting and moisture and the smell were just as bad. I stumbled forward and found that the shag carpeting was dragging at my feet even more here pulling me down into it with a force that was hard to resist. But I pressed onward, terrified of what would happen if I stopped. There were remnants of a kitchen in the next room, a fridge and a pair of cabinets with a sink. It reminded me of a break room in an office. I wandered over to the fridge, opening it to find a couple of shelves sparsely populated with moldy food. There was a sandwich blooming with blue and white fungus and a sunken brown apple sitting next to it. Covering my nose with my sleeve, I closed the fridge door and tried to hold my breath until the stink was gone. When I finally did breathe again, it was no better than before. Curious, I went over to the sink and turned on the water, wondering what would happen if I did. It spit out some brown, muddy-looking liquid for a few seconds and then it stopped, dripping afterwards for a while. I didn't feel hungry or thirsty, I realized, and I wasn't tired. And it was a good thing, too. The creature that I had seen following me suddenly appeared above me on the ceiling, racing into the room in a way that I had not expected. It was like a giant, black four-legged spider as it approached quickly, and then it dropped down on me, pinning me to the disgusting, warm, wet floor. The shag carpeting gave way beneath me and I felt like I was yielding and buckling, drawing me down into it. Snarling with teeth gnashing, the creature tried to snap and bite at my face as I pushed it away, trying to get it off of me. Its drool was dripping onto me as it snapped its teeth, raking its claws across my forearms and my face as I fought it. The thing was quick and angry, but I had the size advantage. I managed to roll and shove it off of me, kicking it hard in the face afterwards. Surprisingly, the creature whimpered and ran off, like a wounded animal, but I had a feeling that it would be back. 
I tried to rise to my feet, but the moist shag carpeting was refusing to let me at first. It was gravity and pulling on my clothing and at my exposed skin, like leather on a hot day. Finally, I managed to get away from it and rose to my feet with an effort. Looking around, I tried to remember which doorway I had used to enter the room, but suddenly I couldn't. Then again, it didn't seem to matter anymore. There was no way out of this place. I was trapped here for eternity. This was purgatory. I guess that I wasn't good enough for heaven and I wasn't quite fit for the other one either. Um, hello? I heard a voice from behind me say. I spun around, seeing a woman standing behind me in the doorway. Terrified of what horrors this place had in store for me next, I stumbled backwards until I crashed into the fridge. It didn't rock back and forth like a regular refrigerator, instead it staying firmly planted like a boulder. The woman wasn't attacking me. She wasn't racing towards me on all fours with sharp teeth and claws. She wasn't trying to eat my face. These were all very good signs. Who are you? I asked nervously. The woman looked almost as scared as me as I did of her, but then her face softened and she actually smiled at me. You're real, aren't you? She asked. Uh, last I checked, I felt myself returning her smile. I saw you fight off that creature. It doesn't make sense for this place to attack one of its own. But then again, the woman trailed off. Then again. And then again, sometimes it surprises me. Sometimes this place really catches you off guard. How long have you been here? I asked as she approached me hesitantly from the other side of the room. I'm not sure, she said opening the fridge. Time is sort of funny here. Ah, there's nothing in there. I began to say when she cut me off. Oh, I know, I was trying to get the door off when I heard you coming. She began to pull and twist the door of the fridge, yanking on it and trying to pop it from its seams. Why? Oh, come on. You've never wanted to try breaking through one of those walls. Maybe this could do it. I began to help her using all of my force to pull the refrigerator door from its hinges, but it wouldn't budge. Ah, it's no use. Anything you can take with you is useless around here. This place doesn't let you get any advantage on it. Yeah, I said, thinking of the pencil with no lead, the moldy sandwich and the locked filing cabinet. Hey, how did you wind up in this place? The woman explained how she had gotten on the elevator at 4311 N Street, hitting two buttons by mistake. Hey, me too, I said. Which ones did you press? She thought about this. I don't remember it was so long ago. An idea seemed to strike her just then. Hey, give me a boost, I want to try something. I cut my hands and she began to climb up on top of the fridge. And then she pulled something from her pockets and it was a set of car keys. She drove one of the keys into the ceiling and it began to drip and bleed like an open wound. Red liquid smeared her hands and ran down her arms, splattering on the floor. But I could see moonlight and stars above. See, she said. This is why I buy my pants from the men's section. Pockets. And the ladies in the office always made fun of me. I climbed up on the counter next to the fridge as she opened the hole in the ceiling wider with her car keys. Sawing at what looked like flesh. As the yellow ceiling opened up creating a gaping hole. Exposing the night sky. 
Come on, she said. I'll be me up. The two of us crawled out through the gap in the ceiling, and I felt the beautiful cool night air on my face and I breathed it in, gasping. It was so much better than what was in there, in that horrible place. I looked down to see the gap in the ceiling remained, and if I wanted to go back, I could just go down there. But who in their right mind would ever want to do that? When I glanced back up, I saw the woman was gone as if she had never existed in the first place. My car keys were in my hand, as I had been the one to cut through the ceiling. When I thought back, I even remembered doing it. Had the woman been a hallucination? A ghost or somebody who had jumped from this building in years past after being stuck inside of that place? Or just another creature conjured up by that twisted place, which existed between dimensions? The back rooms between worlds? And one thing was for sure, I would never go back there, never in a million years. I looked up and saw that I was standing at the edge of the building's roof looking down but I didn't remember walking there. Backing away, my heart pounding to my chest, I looked around. The roof had no door leading back inside. There was no way to get off the roof, no way except back through that hole that I had come through. Either that or... I looked back down through the gap in the roof at the flickering yellow rooms and then at the ledge. As I walked back towards the edge of the building, once a year at least, somebody jumps from the roof of 4311 N Street, and this year, it was long overdue. Inflation has us all thinking about different ways to cut back. Personally, I've had to cut back on eating out and going out with friends, and I don't even want to think about what it means for presents in the holiday season. Whether it's dining out less, driving less, or buying less from the grocery store, we can all agree that there's nothing fun about less. And that's why I started using Upside. I don't have to cut back on dining out and going out with friends anymore because I earned cash back on essentials. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, you don't have to cut back because you get cash back on every purchase. And because of this, I'm able to spend that extra cash on a coffee or an extra present for a family member for the holidays. Download the free Upside app to get started. I found the app really easy to use and pretty convenient. Use my promo code MrCreeps and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business and pay as usual with a credit or debit card and get paid. You can earn three times more cash back with Upside in comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, which is a great deal. I look forward to using this extra cash this holiday season. Again, download the free Upside app and use promo code MrCreeps to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code MrCreeps. We never should have discovered the back rooms. Written by Mr. Mills 45. I moved into my current house with my parents about three years ago in 2006. It seems so long ago now that the number is in front of me. But you're not here to listen to me reminisce about times that have since passed. 
So I'll try my best to get right to the point without adding too much unnecessary fluff. My name is Alex. I'm 15 years old and I've been trying to convince my parents that something is seriously wrong with our house. You see, the first few years that we were here were fine. Nothing out of the ordinary. I actually loved the place. My bedroom here was much bigger than the one at the old house, providing a lot more space for my gaming setup. But recently, within the last couple of months, I found something in our basement that I'm not entirely sure is actually as real as I think it is. Maybe I really am going crazy. It's probably why my parents won't even bother to find out about what I'm talking about. Good one, they tell me. You're being paranoid. I figured that if they weren't going to take my word for it, then I was going to need to present them with some hard evidence of it. For both them and anyone else who can do something about this. If they can do something about this. Luckily enough, my parents had purchased me a camcorder for my 14th birthday. I had expressed some interest in film and video production. Up to this point, I had used it to create some amateur movies with friends from school, which were mainly just short clips of us walking through the woods and attempting to look frightened. Nonetheless, it being summer vacation helped me to be able to do this undisturbed. They more than likely assumed that I would be doing nothing but sitting in my room playing video games anyway. Not that I blame them in all honesty. Once I knew my parents had both left for work in the morning, I sprung up out of bed and grabbed my camcorder, not even realized that I hadn't taken the time to get dressed first. So I merely slipped on a t-shirt along with my pajama pants and my socks before beginning to head downstairs. I made sure to give every room above the basement a quick look through in order to make sure that I was the only one in the house at the time. After which I stood at the basement door, putting my hand on the knob and taking a deep breath. It wasn't that I was having second thoughts, necessarily, but I considered things that could potentially go wrong before ultimately deciding the risk was worth it to prove my claims. So I opened the door and took my first steps down the creaky stairs, reaching over to my right and hitting the switch to turn the basement light on. Our basement itself wasn't something to write home about. It was what you would usually expect. A cold, brown-painted concrete floor and wall rectangular expanse with wood support and insulation line in the ceiling. Old dusty washing machines, piles of both dirty and freshly clean clothes in an assortment of different baskets. Cobwebs lining every corner of the room, with centipedes worming their way underneath the cracks in the walls. I made it to the bottom of the stairs before taking a left and heading into the more recreational side of the basement. Although the only thing that truly made it recreational was a simple lawn chair and an old coffee table, one that I'm sure hadn't been used in the past several months. Nonetheless, I soon made it to the thing that I was talking about, the wall that was opposite the lawn chair and coffee table. Call me crazy because in a minute, I'm sure you're going to be asking what could be so wrong with the simple wall. Well, this wall that was slightly darker than the rest, even those immediately to both its right and left, it had this shadow that was eternally cast onto it, even when there wasn't a light source or object to create one. And sometimes it flickered, as if it were a light bulb. I've seen it happen before, and I saw it taking place yet again right before my eyes. The first few times that it happened, I could have sworn it was just my imagination, but now it was clear that my imagination had nothing to do with it. 
I thought that was the strangest part of this entire ordeal. I had come down to look at it before and thought the out of the ordinary phenomena would end there, until I got the balls to touch it. I mainly wanted to see if there was something that I was missing, that maybe it had something to do with the paint, or I just had something really wrong with my eyes. But that was me trying to rationalize something I didn't understand, because yesterday I had grabbed a broomstick and shoved it right up against the wall, expecting some paint to chip or some material to crumble. But no, instead, the broomstick simply went through the wall. I'm not really sure how to describe it in an intellectual or a detailed manner. It is as simple and as absurd as it sounds. My broomstick went through a solid concrete wall. I even walked forward with it in my hands at the time, and it continued going deeper in the wall, feeling no obstacles or objects stopping it. To make it clear, there were no holes, no cracks or breaches large enough to fit the width of the broomstick within. It was flat and smooth, and yet the broomstick sunk further in as if it were lodged in quicksand. And then, after some careful but clearly not enough consideration, I put my hand up to the wall and once my elbow had disappeared, I pulled back. There was no pain, no extreme temperature, no bugs. Someone or something waiting to grab, bite, or claw me. It was just shocking, in a way that made me only want to learn more. Maybe I just never noticed it before, but I could have sworn the wall that looked much more normal when we had first moved in. Not that I had ever spent very much time in the basement. Maybe I had no idea what I was talking about. Maybe I just hadn't truly paid attention enough to notice any changes. But last time it was only my arm, and this time... I was going to put my entire body inside. I wanted to step through, to see what was on the other side of the wall. There is a part of me that even considered this to be some sort of hologram projection, and that somehow was less insane than what it actually ended up being. But nonetheless, I'll always look back and see this as one of the most ill-informed acts, but the curiosity in me simply couldn't be contained. I needed answers. So with my camcorder still in hand, I approached the wall, reaching out my hand yet again to make sure that it was still passing through. And as you can infer, the result was rather unsurprising. So after I took a deep breath and looked behind my shoulder at the rest of my basement, I stepped forward slowly, my natural instincts telling me that the wall was still solid despite me vanishing further into it. But suddenly I felt like I was being jerked forward and falling. The actual feeling of falling only lasted for less than half a second before I hit the ground again with a thud. My camcorder fell out of my hand as I collided with what I assumed was another floor or wall. The texture under me felt rugged like a carpet with a bit of moisture. I rubbed my head and opened my eyes, thinking that I had fallen into a section of our house that I wasn't supposed to discover. But no, that wasn't it at all. What I saw when I looked up didn't make any sense. It didn't even seem possible. Part of me had wondered if I had accidentally inhaled a hallucinogen or something. In front of me was what I could only describe as a large, messily segmented and built set of rooms, hallways, and corridors. All the walls were covered in this truly awful, bright yellow wallpaper that looked as if a small child had picked it out. It wasn't easy in the eyes in the slightest. I got myself to my feet, 
looking over to my right and seeing my camcorder on the ground, not broken and still recording. I leaned over and picked it up, putting it back in my hand before immediately turning around to get a better bearing on my surroundings. How did I get here? Why was I here? And what was this place? There were a million thoughts running through my head, and even though it was the last thing that I wanted to do, I remained calm. That's what you always do in situations like this. You must remain calm. Panicking helps nothing and no one. I was quiet for the most part in this strange place. The only sound being a slight electric buzzing noise. It had an irritating hum to it and I couldn't help but look up to find the origin of it. Seeing a white tiled ceiling with poorly placed fluorescent lights running along it. Most of which had possessed a subtle flicker. Hello? I called out. Is anyone there? No response. So I ran up to one of the walls and started pushing on it. The moist carpet squelched a bit beneath my feet as I heaved myself forward in an attempt to pass through the wall as I had earlier but to no avail. I turned and dashed over to the wall behind me, pushing and shoving myself up against it. But it, like the other, was solid. I backed away from the wall, coming to the conclusion that I needed to save my energy if I was going to get out of here anytime soon. And while I imagined many ways this could get worse, it didn't make it any easier to accept the fact that I was trapped. Trapped in this almost otherworldly sub-basement. So I started by wandering down the nearest corridor to my left. It seemed to be around 200 feet long with dozens of intersecting halls connected to it on both the right and left walls. That same horrendous yellow wallpaper was consistent throughout. Even the humming and buzzing of the lights above followed me as I walked down the hallway. The fact that it was the only noise present in this building besides the squelching of moist carpet as I walked only further drove me up the wall. It was maddening in the most mundane yet most unsettling way possible. It's crazy how much humans rely on sound for comfort because I had only been in this strange expanse for about a minute and it had already felt like hours. Hello, I yelled once again, hoping for even a semblance of a response. Is, Is anyone, anyone here? here? Can you hear me? Like the previous attempt, there was nothing in response. Not a sound or sign of another human being. My breathing practically became twice as loud to make up for the dreadful silence. I soon encountered the end of the narrow corridor. I wandered into what appeared to be a much larger rectangular expanse. The basic design and layout were still the same with multiple other corridors converging in the middle, kind of like an intersection. The lights flickered more heavily in the middle of the intersection, the humming and buzzing becoming almost unbearable. I don't know who approved the funding for this place, but they had to have been out of their freaking minds. I hadn't quite been able to come to a decision about which direction I should have gone at the intersection. All I know is that I wanted to get as far away as possible from that dang buzzing. I scoped out each hallway from where I stood with my eyes, with the one on the left catching my attention the most. Not because I was genuinely curious, but because it actually had something distinct going for it. And by distinct, I meant that it was dimmer than the other three, with only one of the fluorescent lights in the entire visible length of it. But despite the poor lighting, I noticed something about halfway down its length. On the ground was what looked to be a piece of paper laid out on the ground, just a single sheet that contained text written in red ink. 
and being the only distinguishable proof of life or the presence of other human beings in this place, I began to creep down the corridor and approach it. Looking back over my shoulder with the undeniable feeling of being watched as I did so, and I reached down picking up the note as I made it over, only to make the unnerving discovery that the red ink was not ink at all. It was blood. I don't know how long I've been here or how much longer I've got left. I'm scared and it feels like it's been days and I haven't been able to find a way out. All I did was come home from work, throw myself into bed and then I was here. I found this paper laying around in here, along with someone's car keys that were laying around and had blood on them. I haven't seen another person since I got here, but I'm not alone here. There's something else lurking in these halls, and it isn't any man or woman. I gotta keep quiet and stay low, or whatever got the guy who had these keys belonged to, it's gonna come for me as well. And whoever finds this, if anybody finds this, keep quiet and stay low, and God help you if that thing hears you. I felt my heart sink in my stomach as I turned to look behind me, only to find nothing but the slight flickering of the lights yet again, but I was more than on edge. As crazy as it sounded, I believed every word that was written here. This wasn't some practical joke or prank. Even the most elaborate of pranksters didn't have the resources for something like this. I can't count the number of times that I've seen a horror movie where Something that's obviously not a joke is treated like one by the protagonist. And guess what? Well, they end up dead. There was no name or other information on the note. And since I was made aware that there might be something bloodthirsty lurking in here with me, the last thing that I needed to do was carry around this note and have the smell of blood on me. So I left it, dropping it right at my feet. And I began heading further down the corridor into a cylinder-shaped room. It was still more of the same as far as design and architecture went. I took another deep breath, preparing to head down the right corridor of the cylinder room. But before I could even move an inch, I heard a sound that made my blood freeze. The rest of me stayed right where I was by extension. The sound in question was a loud, ear-shattering screech that didn't sound all that far from behind me. I stood there completely terrified while my previous confidence quickly had drained. I could only hope that I wasn't seen by whatever it was, and I wasn't, not yet anyway. Once I had mustered up the courage to finally turn around, I didn't see anything behind me. It was still the same yellow walls and moist carpet, and yet it somehow became even more sinister than before. And that thing, was it what killed the person who wrote the note? Whatever this being was, I could now hear it getting closer. Its footsteps were quick and frantic so I picked up the pace a little bit. My slow march turned into a brisk stroll, and I couldn't help but feel like my heart was going to explode out of my chest from the dread the situation had filled me with. I made a left turn, and then another before booking it down into a wide corridor before making a right. This place really was a nonsensical maze. The architecture made absolutely no sense, but I refused to let this yellow wasteland become my grave. The creature shrieked again, but this time the tone was slightly changed. Now sounding a bit more celebratory and more triumphant, as if it had accomplished something that it extracted joy from. It was only once I heard what came next did I understand why. No, 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 no. 
came the desperate, horrified screams of what sounded like, and a dull man who knew that he was about to meet a truly awful fate. I couldn't pinpoint exactly which hallway or room this chaos was coming from. All I know is that it wasn't more than 30 to 40 feet away. Regardless, I wasn't intending to play hero against some creature that I hadn't even seen the appearance of. Stop! Stop! No! The man began to cry out, only to be cut off by his own shriek, accompanied by the sound of bone snapping and flesh tearing. His cries soon became gurgled, only lasting a few more seconds before he was drowned out by the sound of aggressive snarling and growling. At this point, I was sprinting, tears of both stress and fear forming in my eyes. I quickly raised my fingers up in order to wipe them away and keep them from blurring my vision as I ran. I eventually found a tight, almost closet-sized space at the end of one of the hallways. I didn't hesitate to slip inside and get myself out of sight as soon as humanly possible. Once in, I headed to the corner furthest from the opening, sat down and put my knees to my chest before shoving my face in my arms and taking surprising care to not be too loud, lest I want to draw that thing over and then really have something to cry about. I could only think about how I really might die here, that I'll be the next victim of whatever that monster is. If there were more people that were alive and trapped in this, whatever this place is, then I have to try and find them and make a plan to get out of here once and for all. I let myself stare into the darkness of this crevice as I sat there with the illusion of safety, while still in more terror than ever. I only just now realized that I dropped my camcorder in all the chaos of reacting and running, but most of me honestly didn't care, proving a point it wasn't worth it the moment I fell into this place. I should have left the wall alone. I should have just minded my own business and not poked my nose where it shouldn't have been. As helpless as I felt, I know my idiotic actions had a part to play in the predicament that I found myself in. But I was here now and I had to grapple with the reality of the less intelligent moves that I made. If I was going to get out of here alive, the last thing I needed to do was to sit here and mentally check out. I needed to be on my toes and alert. So once I had mustered the strength to stand back up, I did just that. I was still no superhero or brave soldier, but I was someone who wanted to survive. Someone who wanted to live to share a story I'm sure most would not believe. I quietly walked over to where I had entered the small den, turning to peek my head through the skinny opening into the larger hallway. But I immediately froze when I heard footsteps, footsteps that weren't heavy or slow but abundant and quick as if whatever was moving was moving on far more than just two lambs. They were coming from down the corridor to my left. I could make out the fact that whatever it was, it was going to turn the corner at any second. I retreated back into the den and got as far away from the opening as was physically possible, but my morbid curiosity as to whatever I was trapped in this maze with, it couldn't be contained. It just had brutally killed someone, so any sort of negotiating or attempting to reason with it was out of the question. All I could do was sit here and wait as it began to walk down the hallway, approaching closer and closer to the den. Once again, its footsteps were soft, yet horrendously abundant. It sounded more like scurrying. It had this almost tapping-like rhythm that made my skin crawl, like a spider the size of a dog running down a hallway. I held my breath as it approached, only letting myself exhale when absolutely necessary. 
I didn't dare poke my head out the entrance or attempt to get a direct look at it, but the shape of its shadow on the wall behind the den opening did more than enough to make sure that I never forget this experience for the rest of my life. The lowest part of its body looked to be composed of at least a dozen thin but long limbs that all moved in unison with one another in a twisted uncanny manner, like a centipede that had been sloppily stitched together. Above that set of horrific legs was a long rectangular frame with dozens more bent and thin limbs protruding from each side of it. I couldn't even tell if this thing I'd had, definitely not one that I could make out with the shadow. Who in their right mind would keep a monstrosity like this in here? Was it locked up? Did it kill the people keeping it contained and get out? Is that why this place is abandoned? Even if I did have answers to all those questions, it still doesn't explain the fact that it seems like I'm far from the only average person to end up trapped in here. It really was something out of a child's nightmare. Anyone's nightmare in all honesty. It stopped only feet in front of the entrance to my den. I prayed to every god that I could think of, hoping that it wouldn't detect or sense me. The creature, whatever it was, let out a low growl. A far departure from the pitch of sounds it was making previously. I could feel it vibrate the wall that my back was against as I held my breath. Even if I wanted to make a sound, I couldn't. No noise could escape me. My terror was busy holding it in. It seemed to turn side to side as if in the middle of looking for something, but the creature didn't move in either of those directions, instead choosing to continue to move forward and to turn the corner down another hall, allowing me to live for another day, at least for the time being. I made an escape while I had the chance, busting out of the entrance to the den and immediately making a mad dash for the left in the lightest footsteps possible. Nearly right after turning the corner, I spotted my camcorder on the floor, at the far end of the hallway. It had been smashed with dozens of broken off pieces all over the area surrounding it. All the footage and proof that I had were gone. I wasn't aware at the time if there was some way to extract or salvage anything off of it. I could only wonder how mad my friend would be when I tell him all those short films that we created using the thing were toast. But there wasn't much time to mourn the loss of my hard work, so I kept moving. When I made it back to the cylinder room this time, I chose a different path to go down. Last thing I needed was to go anywhere besides the total opposite direction of where that thing was headed. I was now more than alert than ever as I trekked through this nonsensical expanse, aware that there is far worse waiting for me in these walls than simple starvation or severe loneliness as a result of isolation. In all honesty, I've always loved my privacy and being away from others, but not like this. There was more of the same everywhere that I went. Yellow walls, white ceiling, and smelly moist carpet. The hum buzz of the lights became a background song at a certain point. I had just accepted the reality that it wasn't going to stop anytime soon. Regardless, I took three left turns and then three right turns before heading straight for what felt like nearly a quarter of a mile then taking another left. I thought that I was surely leaving the creature in the dust, and that it would never find me in this endless maze. But as I was dashing down one of the corridors, I noticed something at the end that caught my eye. Something that I thought might be my ticket out of here. 
my saving grace and so I slowed down, let myself take in a few deep breaths, and try to get my heartbeat back to a more reasonable speed. I then looked back over at what had my attention, making out what looked to be two thin, long objects protruding out from the ceiling. The distance made it difficult for me to make out details in the shapes, but the colors consisted of a dark blue for the majority of these objects' lengths, with them ending in a light brown towards the bottom. Please, I whispered out loud, please let this be it. My predictions were generally optimistic. I thought that I'd be able to climb my way out of these walls and be free. But as I got closer, so did the reality of what these so-called objects actually were. It had gotten to a point where I was only around seven or eight footsteps away from these things, and as I looked up, my bottom jaw hung ajar. They were legs, human legs, like which had protruded from a section of the ceiling where the tile had been removed, although from the looks of it, it was more like violently torn and or busted off. I had morbidly assumed the rest of the corpse was laying along the other tiles within the ceiling. How did I know that it was a corpse? Well, it definitely wasn't just the pair of jeans and old boots the legs were covered in, but a foul stench as well. A stench that was irrefutably rot and decay. One that I had only ever experienced when walking near dead animals in the woods and near my house. Except here, it had been cranked up to eleven. I threw my left hand over my nose, fighting the urge to lose my lunch as I looked up in horror. There I was, standing just several feet underneath a pile of rotty meat that was once a fellow human being, a fate that could only have just as easily become mine if I didn't get lucky. But what could have possibly done this? Did the creature chasing me possess the ability to scale surfaces? Its anatomy seems to suggest that it might be the case, and if it didn't, then that means there was something else that I had to watch out for in this maze the thought of which did nothing to help me feel any better. Eventually, the vomit that had risen its way into my throat had overpowered my efforts to keep it inside. I took my hand away, opened my mouth, and all over the wall it went, while the smell of rot continued pounding its way into my nostrils. I had to turn back, to get away from it as soon as possible. But just as I had regathered myself enough to start running and finding a new way to go, the sound of many rapid footsteps in succession made me quickly rethink my actions. I slammed the brakes on harder than I ever had before, as I heard them coming from around the corner closest to my left. That thing, it was coming back. Coming back for me. And I'm sure the smell of the body directly above me didn't help much either. I stood there, frozen like the terrified moron that I was. Truthfully, there is a part of me that wanted to give up and accept my fate. To let this, whatever this was, kill me and get it over and done with. But that quickly dissipated once I saw one of that thing's legs begin to wrap around the corner at the end of the hallway that I was looking at. It was a grotesque, black, almost asphalt-like color. A bit of blood staining the tip that also stained the wallpaper. My fighter, more precisely, flight instincts kicked into gear. I didn't bother sticking around to get a better look at what I knew was a truly horrifying appearance. I turned and ran once more, reaching the opposite end of the hallway in mere seconds, before immediately making a sharp left turn into another. I heard the creature let out a blood, a chilling screech as it gave chase. 
those many legs stampeding along the carpet and the walls as it pursued me relentlessly. Any effort to be subtle or quiet was now in vain. I made a few more random turns both left and right, hoping to confuse the beast, but my efforts seemed to be pointless, as I was still within its line of sight despite what I had done to get out of it. I huffed and wheezed as I looked for anything, anything that could take me to a higher or lower elevation. Stairs, an elevator, a ladder. Because I was more than sure that it would fall victim to fatigue long before my pursuer did. After a few more twists and turns, endlessly trying to make myself as elusive as possible, I began to slow down as my exhales became quicker. My face went red and sweat began to drench my face. A stitch in my side began to form as well. I knew that I was doomed if I didn't find anything soon. I truly thought that things couldn't have gotten any worse than the terrifying sequence in which I was currently trapped. But this strange dimension had an excellent way of proving me wrong. Without looking, I made another left as I heard the creature shriek yet again behind me, alerting me that it was still in hot pursuit. I tried my best to keep my pace as I dashed down the hallway that I had just turned into, looking at the floor for a few seconds as my muscles ached and cried out for mercy. Even the adrenaline couldn't keep me going forever. When I looked up, however, I was met with the sight of a dead end. No turns or other corridors. There was no way to go but the way that I came. I was only several feet in front of the wall that cut me off. I tried to turn and make a mad dash back the way that I came only for the creature to leap out from around the corner and cut me off, forcing me to stumble backward and abandon my decision as I fell right on my butt. Its centipede-like legs wrapped around the wall once again as they reached forward. The creature then begins to move its body from around the corner, revealing more of its appalling appearance to me as I crawled backward in utter disgust. Saying that it looked like a mutant centipede would be an insult to such a creature. I had trouble believing even God himself could conjure up such a monstrosity. The entity's skin was a dark, near pitch black tone of color, with jagged streaks of dirty white patterns running along it that looked more like scars than any sort of natural anatomical patterns. When the beast stood to attention, it had to be well over seven feet, absolutely dwarfing me as if I were a toddler in the presence of a grown man. The entire perimeter of its actual body had those thin limbs protruding from it, all of them moving in unison with each other. Once again, a few of them still possessed blood on their tips, who I'm assuming belonged to the man that I heard die screaming earlier on. The body of the creature was a sharp rectangular shape. It mostly lacked features save for the giant gaping hole towards the top, which I had concluded to be its mouth one without any teeth, just a pitch black, voidous hole. This thing knew that it had me cornered, each end of its mouth contorted in a fashion as if it were trying to smile at me, but it just about lacked the necessary muscle structure to do so. Regardless, it wanted me to know that I was trapped, at its mercy for it to kill me in a gruesome, agonizing way. I was going to become its plaything and its food. I still had some self-preservation left over, despite the rational part of my brain telling me that there was nothing that I could do. But I managed to get to my feet nonetheless, beginning to back up as the creature slowly lurched forward, dozens of its limbs all moving in tandem with each other. Please, I announced softly, holding my hands out in front of my face as I continued backing up while my legs trembled. 
And just as I was expecting myself to hit the wall that was behind me, I felt my body suddenly jerk backward, as if I had just been yanked by something powerful. I yelped as my back impacted what felt like a hard carpet surface, and suddenly things weren't nearly as bright. I pulled my hands away from my face, revealing an entirely new environment around me. A library, just a plain old library. The walls were just a plain light brown color, and the ceiling was tiled and there were fluorescent lights, but they weren't buzzing or flickering. The carpet itself didn't feel moist either, just like regular everyday carpet that was actually maintained. I coughed for a few seconds trying to comprehend what had just occurred, in a fury of confusion but it clicked soon enough. I had passed through the wall, the same way that I had passed through the one that had me end up in that yellow-colored death trap in the first place. But doesn't that mean the creature could follow me? That single question made me quickly tense my muscles as I prepared to throw myself up to my feet, only to be stopped halfway by the comforting sound of an older woman's voice. Are you okay, young man? I turned to seeing several different people around the library with their eyes on me, some in lounge chairs reading books, some at the desk in front of computers, and some standing next to shelves with books in hand. I almost caught a glimpse of the woman who had spoken, who I had guessed correctly to be on the older side, with long gray hair and wrinkly skin, dressed in a button shirt and khakis with a pair of thin glasses on. What? This is home, right? I said, letting out a few more coughs. Everybody shared glances with each other more than likely thinking that I was in some sort of state of delusion. The older woman informed me that she hadn't seen me enter the library, that everyone had heard a sudden thud and there I was, sprawled out on the floor and coughing, so she came over to see if I was okay. The police were contacted to come and take me home. I obliged, wanting to make everything as easy as possible after what I had just gone through. But during everything that transpired... The library staff making the call, my parents talking with the officers. All I could think about was that place and that thing. You see, what made it even more confusing was the fact that I had entered that place several hours before my parents were supposed to arrive home. Yet I could have sworn my whole ordeal there lasted no longer than an hour, and I was never knocked unconscious or asleep at any point. Nonetheless, I'm now writing this to try and make sense of what had happened to me, but I don't think that'll ever truly happen. I'm sure no one will really believe my story, but it helps to get it out there anyway, at least for my own sanity. I have my first appointment with my new therapist next week, and not by choice either. Therapy's never really been my thing, but I guess that's what happens when you ramble to your parents about getting stuck in a different dimension and running from mutant creatures with impossible anatomy. Not that I'll even attempt to tell her any of that. Although I'm sure my parents might do it for me when first meeting her. But if I've learned anything from all this, it's that I'll never, and I mean never, go near that wall again. It's been about three months since my whole incident with The Expanse. I had been seeing my new therapist, Tiffany, for pretty much that entire length of time. She was on the younger side and had only really been working in the field for a few years. But she seemed to know what she was doing and she actually listened to me. I told her a lot of stuff and experiences in my life up to that point, 
but I mostly veered away from the topic of The Expanse. Wasn't trying to get myself committed. I don't really know how that whole thing works. It just feels like the more that I went into it, the better the chance I would have for thinking that I was legitimately insane. Hyperbole aside though, I just thought it would be better for the both of us if I didn't bring it up much. That is, until one day she insisted that I talk about it. She wasn't authoritative necessarily, but said everything she could to guarantee that I would feel okay with going into detail about it. After all, me trying to tell others about it is why I was here in the first place. Alex, you can trust me. I'm here to help you, not judge you. If I was, then I wouldn't be in this chair. She said softly, leaning forward in her chair and looking at me with almost maternal instinct. I won't force you to talk about anything, but I promise you don't have to feel like a prisoner in your own mind. I'll bet that I can relate a lot more than you might think. I perked up upon hearing that last sentence. My eyes shifting in her direction with a look of intrigue and curiosity. She returned the eye contact before delivering a slight smirk, confirming her implication. You're not serious, I accused. Listen, I get you want to help me, but I don't think you have to lie to do it. This isn't necessarily the most professional of me, and I really shouldn't say this, but that place you're talking about, it's not as insane as you might think. I believe your story, every word of it. She continues, suddenly stopping her hand gestures as she waits for my response. I really don't appreciate you making a joke out of my experience, I snarled. You're supposed to be helping me. You're supposed to be different than all the other people who won't listen and just ridicule me. I'm nothing but a punchline to everyone, even before any of this happened. After my little fit, I then got up out of my chair and began to walk to the door, only to be stopped once she announced something that made my heartbeat nearly cease upon hearing it. The thing with all the legs came her calm assertion. I turned, looking over to her with wide eyes and mouth slightly ajar. I had never told her about the creature, not once. In fact, I hadn't told anyone about it, let alone any of its anatomical features. So I stood there looking like a complete moron while she got out of her chair and approached me. Taking a quick glance to her left at a long curtain on the side of the room, with no windows and then directly back at me. I tried to kill you, didn't it? She inquired rhetorically. I tried to kill me too. Still, I stood there stunned, not even knowing how to form words for a response. Alex, you gotta believe me. I'm sorry if you thought that I was trying to discredit you. That wasn't my intention. But I know what you're talking about. And I know you're not the only person who's gone through this. Now will you please sit and finish our session? I don't want you leaving this room upset. She kept her gaze locked hard on me, and I took a deep breath, internally kicking myself for not keeping my cool, when I had always been a person who prided myself on doing just that. So, with a bit of hesitance, I turned and headed back over to my chair, sitting back down and cupping my hands together as I waited for her to continue speaking. How did you get in? Like, how did you get there? She asked, a sympathetic undertone present in her voice. 
It took me nearly a full minute to answer despite knowing precisely what I wanted to say. But Tiffany's body language gave me no doubts that she was entirely prepared to listen. A wall, I croaked out. This wall in my basement was like it wasn't even there. Like things could just go through it. It was so weird. I've only seen things like that in video games. This didn't seem to shock her, not in the slightest. Instead, she only nodded slightly while staying silent, allowing me to elaborate. My parents wouldn't listen to me. I tried calling them about it, but they never wanted to hear it. All I know is that I wanted some proof, you know, so I could show someone, someone who would do something about it, or at least somebody that would believe me. How did you feel while you were there? She asked, prompting me to take another several seconds of silence as I thought of my reply. I, I really don't know how to explain it. It's not a feeling you can describe. I don't think anyone's felt it. Besides you, is there any chance you could tell me about what you saw on the walls? I solicit, only to prompt a look of hesitance from Tiffany. This is about you, Alex, not me. I'm here to hear your story, not to tell you mine. She rebuts, cupping her hands together. I know, I know you are, but I want to hear yours. Maybe, just maybe, it'll help me be able to find some closure with mine. I fire back more insistent than previously. I just want to know there's somebody else out there who understands. Tiffany exhales, looking to both her right and left only to return her gaze back over to me as silence swallows the room. I knew that in the back of her mind, she did want to tell. That despite her training and education, she was still human at the end of the day. Now screw protocols, screw procedures, screw all of it. Just please, please tell me. I beg, leaning forward in anticipation. And Tiffany keeps eye contact with me, still appearing unsure about her next move. I widened my eyes and let her know just how desperate I was to hear about her experience. Okay, she sighs, still hesitant. I was ten. It was my birthday and my mom had invited several of my friends over to the house to celebrate. My dad had taken me out to the shed in our backyard so we could grab tools to finish working on my birthday present. He refused to tell me what it was until I was finished. You see, my dad never really let me into the shed very much, not unless I was close to him. Said that he didn't want me messing with grown-up stuff in there, stuff that could hurt me. She paused, allowing me to interject with a question. What's your dad's job? I inquire surprisingly prompting her to smile. He was a carpenter. He was always very good with his hands. Tiffany trails off, an expression of guilt creeping onto her face. Alex, are you sure you want me to do this? It just doesn't feel right. Yes, I need this. Okay. Well, we went into the shed and it was a very small shed could barely fit three people inside there at once. And yet there was a door on the opposite end of the entrance door. It looked like it would lead you somewhere in the back of the shed, but there wasn't any more physical structure behind it to give the door a real purpose for being there. It was about as pointless as a window on the floor. Dad grabbed some of his tools and I just kept staring right at that door the whole time. I had seen it a couple of times before, but on this particular occasion... 
I just really wanted to know why it was there. And so I asked him. He told me that he was going to add onto the shed and that he wanted to have the door built ahead of time. Of course, me being 10 with not much comprehension of how carpentry works, I took that answer at face value. Yet there was also this part of me that felt like he wasn't telling the whole truth. After the party was over that night and I had gone to bed, I couldn't sleep. I laid awake all night thinking about that door. I don't know why. Even at the time I knew it was an odd thing to focus on. Nonetheless, it didn't leave my mind. I tossed and turned and died a long day with a lot going on, and yet I was still wide awake. And it was all because of that dang door. There were another few brief moments of silence as Tiffany turned to look at the curtain on the east side of the room again, causing me to do the same as she started speaking once again. At one point it got to be too much. I was just way too curious about something so mundane. Like I said, I don't know why, but I got out of bed and grabbed my flashlight and made my way out of the shed. I made sure not to wake Dad up and not even sure how long I would have gotten grounded for if I ended up getting caught. But I make it to the shed regardless and I walk over to the door. And with the only other sound in the immediate area being crickets, I was able to hear something on the other side of it, which logically should have just been more crickets. But it wasn't. Instead, it sounded like electric buzzing if that even makes any sense like the buzzing of ceiling lights. Even at that age, I knew that something wasn't right. I recognized the sound from the lights in my school at the time, and I knew there was no reason for me to be hearing it coming from there. I let my curiosity get the best of me, as a lot of kids do. So I opened that door. God, I just want to kick myself for even saying it now. But I opened the door and there it was. The expanse. I remember it just like how you had described it. Ugly yellow walls, a damp and old looking carpet, and the buzzing. Oh, the buzzing. It was twice as loud now that I had opened the door. I didn't know what to think. I knew that I was scared, part of me was anyway, but I was mainly in shock. This couldn't be possible. I had only seen things like this happening in the cartoons and the movies that I had watched. I told myself that I wouldn't go far, that I would only take a few steps inside just to see what the place was and to make sure it wasn't just my imagination, that I wasn't just dreaming. At first I honored what I told myself. I only took three steps inside before staring at the empty hallway in front of me. The fluorescent lights flickering above only helped to unease me, but my curiosity was overpowering my gut feeling feeling that something was wrong, and not just with what I could see. I finally began listening to my instincts at that point, because it wasn't long before I decided it was really time to go, and that I had already overstayed my welcome. When I turned around to go back the way I came, I saw nothing, just a flat, ugly yellow wall like the rest of them. Any sign of the door being there just up and vanished. I went to the wall, pushed on it, and with all my weight, threw myself against it over and over, thinking that I would get some sort of different outcome. But no, I was just a scared little girl trapped in a place I knew nothing about. 
I banged on the wall and yelled as loud as I could for my parents. It wasn't long before I started to cry in a desperate panic. All I did was stand there continuously throwing my fists on the wall, over and over and begging for my parents to come and save me from this place. And it wasn't long before something heard me, something that knew I was invading its territory. My head had screeched when it was coming for me. It was awful. Don't think that I've ever heard anything more horrific than the sounds that thing made. It was like someone had put a screaming baby on a distorted megaphone. So I did the only thing that I could do at that time. I ran. Ran as fast as I could to the right because the screeching was coming from the left. It felt like, I don't know, like I wasn't even moving. I just passed yellow wall after yellow wall. I knew in the back of my mind that I was going somewhere, but the rest of me felt deceived. It looked endless and maddening. Eventually, I came to a stop, feeling like I had put enough distance between myself and whatever it was that had been pursuing me. What I felt wasn't just fear. This wasn't looking down a dark flight of stairs or a creepy basement, or seeing a spider in your room. No, this was existential on a level that I can't put any concrete wording. I still hadn't seen the thing, but not up to that point. So I went and hid behind a wall, placed my back against it so softly, I couldn't even tell if I had actually made contact with it. It was around 10 seconds when I was able to work up the courage to peek my head over the edge of the wall. I was shaking, holding in sniffles, had silent tears going down my face. I didn't dare make a sound. I couldn't afford to. At first, there was nothing. It kind of looked like something out of one of those old playhouses from the 2000s. Just cold and empty. No light present at all. It was uncanny. And Tiffany pauses, inhaling and shifting her gaze over towards that curtain once more, prompting me to finally point it out. What's going on with that? I asked as politely as I could. Oh, nothing important, just a wall. She laughed off dismissively. For the first time since she had started her story, I felt a bit uncomfortable, but I mainly chalked it up to her being invested in what she was saying, so I went back to just listening. There I was, staring down that yellow void until I heard it screech again as it rounds the corner all the way down the hall and spots me peeking. I knew that it saw me because we both froze for a second. It's like it wanted me to know that it knew that I was there and that my fate was sealed. All those legs, God, those legs. They all moved in this grotesquely perfect unison as it started running towards me. And so I turned and bolted, hugging the wall to my left, which was a dead end. Just my luck. Did I mention I don't like spiders or really with anything more than four legs for that matter? So it wasn't exactly in my bucket list to encounter a man-sized, mutated centipede. I didn't think my little legs could carry me so far and so fast. Everything around me was a blur, like I was on a high-speed rail train or something. But it still wasn't enough. That thing was hot on my tail and there was a small part of me that knew I could not run it. I pulled away from the wall to my left, took some turns to try and confuse it, but it knew what I was doing. Probably because everyone who ran from it before tried the same thing and it failed. 
God have mercy on them. I knew that it was closing in on me when its footsteps got louder. Death was practically knocking at my door. I still remember how it sounded when it ran. Makes my skin crawl to this day. The yellow walls, the hum buzz of the lights, the old moist carpet, it made it that much worse. Knowing that I was probably going to die young in such an alien environment, I wasn't getting out. Not alive anyway, or so I thought. She trailed off. You said the wall in your basement was how you had entered it. The expanse, right? She inquires, catching me off guard with the sudden question. Yes, I trail off, unsure of what to say next. Why didn't you try to show anyone? My parents, they built a wall of wood panels in front of it. Told me that they retired in my ghost stories and my obsession with that wall. So they said that they would get it out of my sight and out of my mind. I think they know there's something wrong with it. Kind of like how your dad did, but they don't want me messing with things that I don't understand. Or they just didn't want our house to become a government research site. Both seem just as likely. I wish they would at least acknowledge my story is true. Their own son went to this horrific place, survived being attacked by a dangerous monster, and they just pretend like I'm crazy, that I'm just desperate for attention. I hate it and I almost hate them for it, but they've raised me, fed me, and given me shelter. Maybe one day they'll come to their senses. Tiffany's stare became a bit more cold, as if I had just told her what I ate for breakfast that morning. I hadn't seen her ever look at me like that before now. I didn't like it, it was unsettling, especially considering the gravity and context of what I had just said. Why don't you finish telling me about your experience? We're kind of getting off topic, don't you think? I interjected, hoping that she would agree. All right. She began, bringing me a bit of relief. It's about as straightforward as a situation like that could be. I was running from something that I truly couldn't escape in a place that I was never meant to be. Eventually, after going for so long, my lungs began to give out. I simply couldn't muster the strength or energy to run anymore, even though I knew I had no choice. And I think that was the worst part of it all, knowing that I couldn't even do the bare minimum of running away to save myself. I sure as heck wasn't going to try and fight that thing. Soon enough, I came to a dead end, boxed in by walls on either side of me and the creature behind me. I somehow mustered the courage to turn around as it closed in. I could have sworn that it had even tried to smile at me before it prepared to kill me, like it knew what it was doing was going to make me suffer, and that it was going to take pleasure in the agony of my slow, painful death. But something in me snapped, and I honestly shocked myself when this sudden shouting roar emerged from within me, and I directed it right at the creature. I thought it would be completely pointless, but to my surprise it hesitated like it was caught off guard by a violent outburst of what it saw as prey. Leave me alone, leave me alone, you stupid ugly monster. I shouted while flailing my arms. I noticed that it had been taken aback and I wanted to keep it that way. You're a stupid, weird, and ugly monster. I continued screaming, baring my teeth to make myself look less docile. It wasn't long before the beast had realized who was really in control 
So it began crawling forward again, despite me throwing my various insults at it. I was desperate, saying every nasty thing that it could think of as it closed the distance. But like I said, my dominance was short-lived. I wasn't in control any longer, and so I tried something else. I proposed to deal to it. Tiffany then pauses, not even making a sound as she looked at the floor with mannerisms that almost resembled guilt. What? What did you offer it? I growled demandingly. That's not important, but what is, is that it spoke to me and told me that it was hungry. In this gross and hoarse and nightmarish voice. Like an elderly smoker at his throat filled with a thick syrup. I didn't even know something that alien could even possess the ability to speak in the first place. Its voice really contrasts with all those horrible screeches that it makes, I'll tell you that. But I eventually made it out, found a wall that was darker than the rest and fell right through, ended up right back up in. Whoa, whoa, wait, what did you offer it? I said, less patience at present in my tone, and don't say it's not important. I want to know why I let you live. But Tiffany doesn't respond out loud. Instead, she goes looking at that freaking curtain again, giving it an intriguing stare before standing up out of her chair and moving towards it. And that's when I decided that it was time to leave. I think this session is over. I pronounced as firmly as I could at the time, only for her entire demeanor to shift once the words had left my mouth. I stood up. Attempting to go over and grab my cell phone from her table. Sit, she snarled, giving me a look that said she was not in any mood to argue. Tell me what you offered it. I erupted, my voice echoing off the walls. She didn't respond yet again, prompting me to lunge for the door. I got my hand on the knob and fumbled turning it, and so I threw it on there again, only to be stopped mid-turn by the sound of a click coming from behind me. I already concluded the obvious. Stop. Turn around slowly. Don't make this any harder than it needs to be. She growled, presumably waving the gun that she had pointed at the back of my skull. You know, I'd rather die than get sent back there, I rebut. Oh, it won't be that simple. I'll just put a bullet in each of your knees and then throw you in there. So your fate is up to you. Do you want to die slow and painfully? or have a chance of running away for a while. I put my hands up and slowly turn around, and right there is the sight of Tiffany standing next to the curtain, with a Glock in her right hand pointing directly at me. Good, she muttered, just before reaching with her free hand to grab the edge of the curtain and yank it to the side. And behind said curtain was a door, just a simple dark red door, like one that you would see in someone's house. That alone isn't usually very sinister, but in this context, it was beyond bone-chilling. I knew what was on the other side of it, and that I didn't have much longer before I would end up there, back in the expanse. Come here, Tiffany demanded, using her gun to point at the door. No choice, I did as I was told, marching over to her and stopping just a meter in front of the door, my hand still in the air. It's hungry. I'm sorry, Alex, but it's hungry. She said, all the sympathy exiting her tone. When I saw your story, I knew that I needed to find you. 
So you could kill me to continue to save your own skin. How do you know the creature could even make it out of the expanse? What do you have to fear? It's nothing but an empty threat when you're out here. Oh, it can, she stuttered. You see, you got lucky. You fell into a public place where it didn't want to reveal itself by continuing to pursue you. But most people, even those who fall back into reality, they aren't so lucky. How would it even know where you are when you're not in the expanse? You don't have to bend at this thing's will, I promise you. But instead of rebutting, she simply waves the gun towards the door, signaling for me to open it and step through. I can't take the risk. I need to look out for myself. People were never meant to discover the expanse and we're both paying the price for treading somewhere we don't belong. Plus, if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, I'm not the only one in danger. Far from it. This goes beyond just me and you. It seems like you're getting a bit of slack compared to me. I barked back. Hurry up and stop stalling, Tiffany snapped. There's no need to do this. There's got to be another way. I bet you haven't even tried to use that gun on it once, have you? I said go, Alex. She commanded violently. Now moving closer and placing the barrel inches away from my skull. I turned slowly, giving her one last look. I looked that told her that I was desperate for her to come to her senses. All I wanted was for her to realize the madness of what she was doing, and that there was a way out. But alas, I was hoping for an outcome that was impossible at that point. So I took a deep breath, looked ahead, and lifted my hand up, guiding it over to the doorknob. You're gonna get what's coming to you. I said, maintaining my forward gaze despite my defeated tone. I then slowly pulled back, the door creaking as it inched across the distance of the floor. My eyes widened as I saw it, the place I thought I would never see again. All my fight-or-flight instincts went into high alert as soon as I heard the buzzing of the fluorescent lights. Everything that had happened came right back to me in a way that made me feel like I never truly left the expanse. It was like getting a greeting from my own personal nightmare, welcoming me back home. I took my first couple steps forward, the all too familiar but subtle squelch of the moist carpet manifesting as my foot made contact. I felt goosebumps form around my arms and legs. The expanse was a bit cooler than what I had previously remembered. It's for the greater good, came Tiffany from behind. I don't turn around, not at first, but once I hear a heavy slam, I take a look back, seeing nothing more but of the ugly yellow wallpaper. It was just like Tiffany's experience if she was even telling the truth. The door that leads in does not lead out, but just like that, I was right back in the place that I dreaded the most but I wouldn't make the same mistakes that I did last time. The first thing I wanted to do was begin searching for a wall, a wall that I could fall through in order to get out of here. I also wanted to pinpoint wherever the creature might have been, the way that I could take steps to avoid it. I needed to keep quiet, to not panic like I did the first time around, and if I was careful enough, I know I just might survive long enough to make it out once more. I then started walking in a crouched formation, turning right and heading down a corridor that led to a dead end. 
only to turn and take another left once reaching the end and immediately feeling off-put by the sight that I had laid eyes upon. At the end of the hall was what looked to be a four-way intersection of rooms, which by itself was nothing new. I had seen things like the first time that I was here. However, there was a strange, bright light being emitted from something in the opening of the hallway on the right. I kept quiet and I glanced around me, looking for any signs of the creature's presence as I considered moving to investigate whatever was causing the disproportionate light effect. And in that moment, I discovered nothing. However, I did hear something, something that completely threw me off. First, it was a sudden slam, as if a heavy door had been opened and closed in quick succession. And then that same slam was followed by the sound of footsteps and human voices, both male and female. I turned back and hugged the wall to my right for cover and get down as low as I can, getting all the way up to where it ended and laying on my stomach while peeking over to see whoever these people were. Just in front of the now invisible door were three individuals, all of which looked like they had just walked straight out of an episode of some shadowy government conspiracy TV show. There were two women and one man, the three of which were dressed in near head-to-toe in black, with all sorts of body armor and gear to go with it. Each of them held a rifle in their hands with a pistol on their utility belts, along with various other non-firearm weapons, like grenades and knives. The man then puts a hand near his left ear, fidgeting with what happened to be some sort of earpiece for communication, becoming visibly frustrated as he struggled to get it to function properly. And believe me, I wanted nothing more than to run up to them and tell them everything, tell them to find me a way out of this godforsaken place, and show them the horrors that these walls hold and who was responsible for putting me in here. But I don't think they were there to help, considering the fact that one of them had Tiffany's Glock strapped at their side, with a bit of blood sitting on the side of the barrel. She was nowhere to be found, and I pondered as to whether or not she was dead or incapacitated, but it wasn't long before I got my answer. The body's getting picked up and taken to Site 7. The director of operations said so, said the man, his voice soft but low in pitch. Why not take it back to Site 12? Then they can feed her to that blue freak they got locked up in there, rebuts one of the women in a sarcastic tone. He's got a talent for killing, I'll give him that. The other woman chimes in. But man, West wasn't kind to him in the looks department. I bet you've never even seen him fight, the man jokes, smirking as he clutches his rifle. One of the women opens her mouth to form a reply, only to be suddenly cut off by a blood-curdling, ear-shattering shriek coming from somewhere to the far left of us. The three of them all immediately snap to attention and raise their weapons, ready for a fight. The creature, it knew that we were here and it was coming. The man quickly lifts a hand to his ear again, resting two fingers against it before saying, this is Agent Creed with Team X5-2. We're at the location and the witness has been terminated and pinged for pickup and disposal. There may or may not be cryptid activity present as well. Should we keep moving? The three agents all stood at attention as they received their response. One that I myself was too far to hear coming from the communication piece. I arrived at the conclusion that it was now my time to leave. 
so I got to my feet as quietly as possible, still hugging the wall as I slowly backed away. I turned and refocused my attention to the corridor, peering down at the intersection and setting my sights on the bright opening to the right. I kept myself in a crouched position as I hastily made my way towards it, the horrid screech of the creature once again echoing through the walls of the expanse. Down here, one of the two women shouted, immediately making my heart sink, as I had hoped and prayed they weren't referring to the hall that I was currently occupying. But of course, my hopes and wants meant nothing here. I immediately picked up speed, which was nothing in comparison to how quickly I began moving after hearing one of those female agents shouted my direction from the end of the hall behind me. Hey, get back here. I, of course, had no intentions to obey her demand. Instead, I broke into a full-on sprint, not taking even a moment to waste on trying to convince them on my situation. I made a mad dash for the intersection as the woman began to open fire. Several bullets whipped by and missed me by mere inches, only causing my adrenaline to skyrocket, making me pump my legs like never before. After it felt like an eternity, I finally made it to the end and made a sudden and hard right turn. The woman had stopped firing at me but cried out in fury of both horror and rage. Gunfire then erupted through the walls as I heard the creature's dozens of footsteps as it closed in on the three agents. What is that? The man shouted just before letting out an agonizing cry. I didn't dare look back. But all I know is that things likely didn't go his way in the midst of encountering the beast up close. Their screams were haunting and that coupled with the gunfire and the screeching of the creature made this situation all the more horrible. The sounds of flesh tearing didn't help, but at this point I couldn't tell who was killing who. It was only when I was more than a couple hundred feet away and my heartbeat had slowed to a more reasonable speed. Had I realized that my surroundings had changed significantly. Instead of the soft thumping and squelching of moist carpet, my feet were heading solid and dry tile. I slowed myself and looked down, only to now see a bright, white tiled floor. It was pretty much what you would find in your average public school building and speaking of. When I glanced ahead of me, the hallway was no longer yellow. Instead, the walls to my immediate left and right consisted of tall blue lockers. Above those was a simple white-painted slant of wall that ran up into an equally boring and flat-tiled ceiling. There was a gap in the lockers on the left wall around 30 feet in front of me, so I went towards it, only to discover that said gap was actually a door. You would think by now that I would have had my fill on anything to do with those. The door itself was made from a light, polished wood, with a tall, vertically thin window running up the middle. I peered into the glass, laying eyes upon a classroom, one that looked to be abandoned. Had I made it out, had I escaped the expanse a second time by some sheer dumb luck? No, because I looked back behind me and saw the way the yellow wall slowly faded into this new structure. The cutoff was sudden and easy to distinguish, dozens of feet of yellow wallpaper suddenly becoming a solid white and stopping right where the blue lockers began. It was obvious that this was a school or at least an imitation of one, but I wasn't back in reality. I was still in the expanse, but obviously there was some sort of different layer or section 
Regardless, I don't know who actually left the encounter alive between those agents and the creature. I couldn't hear anything anymore at the distance that I had put between all of them and myself. But I knew whoever survived would come looking for me, and I wanted nothing to do with either. I didn't want to keep standing out in the middle of the hallway and leave myself as an easy target. Part of me was forgetting the creature might not be the only one in here, and the gunfire going on earlier didn't help. So I put my hand on the doorknob and I turned it, and to my surprise, the door swung open with a slight creak. I stepped in and I shut it behind me. I didn't see a lock of any kind though, so instead I went and pushed a couple of these students' desks up against it, hoping that it would provide me with just a bit more peace of mind. While I could tell this place was abandoned, most of these supplies and actual materials still looked mostly intact, save for the dust and little bits of moisture. Over on what I assumed to be the teacher's desk was a black cover notebook and a mug full of pens and pencils next to it. I went to approach it, only to stop dead in my tracks by the sound of sudden movement taking place just outside the door to the classroom. My heart froze and I kept still. The movement wasn't a constant, abundant pitter-patter like the creature, and it was far too heavy to be human footsteps, so it had to be something I had yet to encounter. Once the initial terror had passed over me, I immediately dropped low and maneuvered my way underneath the teacher's desk, letting my back rest against the thick metallic tower of drawers that doubled as a support leg. I was fully hidden. I knew whatever it was wouldn't be able to see me, and yet it didn't ease my nerves in the slightest. But how could it? Especially when I could pick up the faint, yet potent sound of its heavy breathing coming through the door. I was looking through the window in the door, waiting for the slightest noise or hint of movement to occur. I had no idea what this thing even looked like and I didn't want to. I kept holding my breath despite not needing to. Every second felt like an eternity. I got to a point where I thought my heart would explode. But then I heard its monstrous footsteps once more and its heavy breath faded away, allowing me some emotional relief as I finally exhaled. It was leaving, losing interest after failing to pick up on my presence. I slowly peeked my head around the support of the desk and I glanced over at the window of the door, only to see that whatever it was was longer there. But it still didn't want to leave the room, not for a while, but I knew that I would have to eventually. I slowly slid up from underneath the desk and stood up, grabbing both a pen and a notebook placed on top of it before returning underneath the desk. I'm gonna write all of this down. I need this to reach someone somewhere. I need to continue getting my story out there. If you all don't hear from me again, then I guess that means I didn't make it. But this needs to be exposed, and the world needs to know. Be careful where you step and remain cautious of where you go, because there are fates a whole lot worse than death, and falling into the expanse is one of them. After looking through the classroom a bit more, I discovered an old backpack resting in the corner behind a desk. I picked it up, unzipped it, and looked through all the pouches for anything inside. There wasn't much of note besides dust and crumbs, however. I figured it would be a useful item to have with me. 
so I kept it with me and returned over to the teacher's desk and grabbed the notebook and pen that I had been using to document events. After which, I put them inside and set the backpack strap over my shoulder, tightening them in the event that I needed to move quickly to prevent it from easily falling off. I made my way over to the door before pushing away the desk that I'd used as barricades, the metal legs scraping against the floor making me visibly cringe. Once they were moved aside, I approached the door, letting my face hover close to the glass as I looked out into the hallway. There was still no sign of whatever it was that had been breathing and making those footsteps, which was good. I needed to take the opportunity to get out of this room and keep moving before it came back. I took a deep breath, mentally preparing myself before I opened the door. The longer that I stayed here, the less I felt like I would be able to escape. But I did it once and I can do it again. That much was comforting, but not a whole lot. I opened the door, taking my first steps back out into the imitation of a school hallway. It looked no different than before until I looked to the right. Shockingly, the repetitive yellow wall area of the expanse that had led into the school layer was no longer. It was the exact same hallway that I had run down when escaping from those mercenaries. Were they soldiers, whatever you would call them. But instead, at the end of the hall with the blue lockers lining the walls on either side, it was just a solid, plain white wall and it was as smooth as a wall could possibly be. I was now met with another strange element to deal with. The fact that the expanse's layout and features seemed to change periodically without any true pattern or logic. At least I think that was the case, unless I was truly losing my mind. I headed off to the left, turning down another hallway that maintained a consistent design and appearance as the one previously. Not to mention the other abandoned classrooms and even what looked to be a worn down computer lab. With monitor screens being smashed and cracked, along with some having fallen on the floor. I did give the lab a second glance, keeping a lookout for any computers and monitors that looked intact enough for me to try to use but it was nothing more than self-amusement at that point, even if there was one in working order. Who's to say that it would ever obey the rules of a computer back in reality? After looking around for just a few minutes, I eventually gave up and headed deeper into this school. I pretty much came to terms with calling it that, despite obvious circumstances. Everything that I had seen so far had been mostly uneventful, Besides the fact of having myself on high alert in case whatever that thing was earlier circled back around. After mindlessly wandering for several more minutes, I eventually came to a staircase leading up to a supposed second floor. The stairs themselves looked unstable and dilapidated at best, with what looked to be rust and rot running along the walls, accompanied by cracks with what looked to be weeds growing out of them. Osha would have a field day with this place. Before going all in, I reached out with my right foot and placed it on the first step, half expecting it to collapse just from that minuscule amount of force, but it held, giving me just enough assurance to take another. And once I felt comfortable enough to begin climbing, 
I heard something that made my heart skip several beats. I stopped, frozen as I leaned forward to keep myself out of the line of sight from the stairway entrance. Coming from outside the doorway where the staircase was located was footsteps. Heavy but slow and potent footsteps. But not only that, there was the breathing as well. It was just as deep and hoarse as it was unsettling. The creature that was looking for me while I was hiding inside the classroom, it was coming. And there I was, just a sitting duck out in the open. I immediately started to move up the stairs as quietly as I could, skipping multiple steps and placing my feet down as lightly as humanly possible. Luckily, the padding on the bottom of my shoes were able to keep my movement on the quieter side of things, so I was able to be quick without making much noise. But it didn't feel like I was moving fast enough, because every second counted, and with everyone that passed, the louder the breathing and the footsteps became. Part of me wasn't even sure if I would make it to the top in time before the creature entered the stairwell. But I kept moving, kept pushing myself because it was quite literally life or death. I was careful making sure not to throw too much weight on any section of the stairs that looked to be too unstable. I kept my eyes on what was below me, cautious and not to slip up. But just as the breathing had reached the doorframe, I was only on the last few steps, just a feet away from the top. I was thanking every god that I could think of that I was going to make it without that thing seeing me. That is, until on the very last step, I slipped and my foot dislodged a chunk of material from it, sending it crashing down the staircase below me, and breaking apart more and more with each step that it collided with. The footsteps outside the stairwell suddenly ceased and so did my movement. I held my breath, turning to look back down at the doorway. The silence was deafening, and I didn't dare move a muscle. Not yet. The creature, whatever it was, let out a low, surprised snarl. I could hear it sniffing the air from outside the doorway, and that's when I seized the opportunity to more or less throw myself up to the top of the stairs. I landed as quietly as I could just before looking up to see more or less a similar layout to the first floor. However, to my right was what looked to be the school library. I could hear the creature as it entered the stairwell and began climbing up at a moderate speed after me. So I turned and made a mad dash into the library to hide as it tailed me, still not getting a look at its appearance. The library itself looked just as abandoned and as dilapidated as the rest of the building. None of the shelves even had books. But I didn't have time to think about it. I frantically looked around for several seconds before laying eyes on what looked to be the circulation desk with an office behind it. I could hear that the creature was a little over halfway up the staircase, and I was running out of time to find a place to hide. I quickly made my way around the circulation desk and bolted for the door to the office behind it praying with every fiber of my being that it wouldn't be locked. I threw my hand on the knob, hearing that the entity was now at the top of the stairwell, its breathing more rapid and almost angry in nature. I turned the knob, only for the door not to budge at all. I tried again and again, finding no more success than my first desperate attempt. So I did the only thing that would save me from becoming a bloody smear on one of the walls. 
I crouched down and moved up against the desk. The top of it was offset, just enough to hide me if the beast were to peek over. Speaking of which, I heard its breathing as it entered the library. Its footsteps had come into a sudden stop as it seemed to sniff the air. I thought that it was over right there and then. That it would detect my scent and kill me right on the spot. Yet nothing came. Didn't stop my life from flashing before my eyes though. My cheeks were going red from holding my breath as the creature continued to stay idle and scan the library. Moments that felt like years passed but the thing eventually lost interest. And I heard it turn and exit the library into the hallway from which it came. Although I didn't go down the stairs, not according to my ears anyway. I waited for several minutes before I even dared to peek my head out into the open. Cautiously lifting myself up and over the edge of the desk to take a look around. I was alone or at least, my eyes told me that I was. But I wasn't sure if I could even trust that at this point. I needed to keep my head on tight though. I quickly but quietly climbed over the desk before turning to my left and finding what looked to be an opening to the school gym on the opposite end of the library. And it was either that or going through the same doorway that thing just did mere moments ago. I made the obvious choice and I headed for the gym, and it was of course dimly lit. Or it looked to be that way from inside the library. But once I crossed the doorway, I got the full scope of its appearance. It was dilapidated, just as the rest of this place was. That was expected. There were fluorescent lights hanging by a thread from the ceiling, and the floor was abundantly cracked and dirty. The basketball hoop backboards possessed only about half the glass that they should have, with the nuts also being worn down and hanging halfway off the rim. It was a ridiculously large gem, much bigger than the one that my school had possessed. So every step that I took made me feel like an ant walking across a king-sized bed. And despite the fact that I knew that I was alone, I couldn't help the feeling of being watched. It made me speed up a bit, as well as taking a couple of glances around me for good measure. But I didn't hear or see anything that moved and maybe that was the problem. I got just less than halfway across the court and came upon a certain section of worn down bleachers that appeared stained with mold, which led all the way up each step until it hit the wall. I took a look at the wall itself, the part that was just above the top step of the bleachers, seeing that there was something written on it in what I assumed to be blood. Don't go in the water. It only raised more questions than answers as there wasn't a drop of any actual water in sight. The ominous sentence had made me think about just how many other people had also gotten stuck in this part of the expanse, and they were never able to tell their stories. I decided that it was best to leave the bleachers alone though. The less of the environment that I involved myself with, the better. At this point, I was practically jogging toward the door. There wasn't anything pursuing, Nothing that I could hear or perceive in any way. But regardless of the fact, I still wanted to get the heck out of that area. I take one last look back, seeing the doors that I entered through from the library were now connected to what looked to be another dilapidated classroom. The expanse had changed its environment yet again. Part of me had pondered if it was possible or not to actually see these shifts occur. 
but nonetheless, I made it to the door and threw it open, only to step through and look up like a mesmerized child. This time, I found myself in a wide, massive, and empty cafeteria. It was what you would expect from a public school as far as the general decor and design. The scale of the room itself was a bit large, though, but not ridiculously so. It seems like every room in here was just a slightly larger than it should have been. The long and rectangular dining tables were strewn about, with some being upside down or flipped around in various ways. They were also beaten like crazy with chunks of wood missing from some corners and sides, and that wasn't mentioning the cobwebs strung up in between the seeds, and yet there wasn't a single arachnid or insect to be found. This cafeteria had two hallways on either end acting as exits. I opted for the hallway on the left, as I had seen a couple of doors that had looked ajar, but what they actually led to was a mystery from the angle that I was at. Everything seemed so lifeless, and yet you were always under the impression that you were not alone. There were still no windows that allowed me to see what might be on the outside of all of this, although part of me wondered if I would look out and just see nothing but a black void. It had become more than clear to me at this point that I was not on earth anymore. Regardless, I made it to the opening of the hallway and immediately darted into the first open door that I saw reaching behind myself to slowly shut it as quietly as I could. This next room was probably the most normal out of everything that I had seen thus far, by the standards of the expanse anyway. It was a simple natatorium. It was on the bigger end of things as far as dimensions like the rooms before it, but nothing that I hadn't seen in schools back on Earth. And it was surprisingly sterile and intact looking, not nearly as worn and torn as the rest of the building. That had it all. The white and blue tiled floor, the diving boards, the lanes in the pool, and the potent smell of chlorine. Although it was a bit dimly lit, making it difficult to see what was beneath the surface of the water. However, on the edges of the pool were white, rectangular signs that on any other pool back in reality would usually list the depth of a particular section. And this pool had those except they didn't display any numbers or typical units of measurement. Instead, there was just the letter X painted in black ink on each one. I raised an eyebrow before shifting to the edge of the pool and peering over. The eerie silence only furthering tension that shouldn't have been present. Now pretty much all natatorium pools usually allow you to see the bottom. But this one didn't, not even a little bit. I sat there puzzled as I focused hard and squinted my eyes to locate the floor of the pool. But the harder that I tried, the more that I only saw just an endless, dark blue abyss. It looked to not even have a bottom at all. And if it did, it definitely wasn't anywhere near reasonable enough to swim to. And speaking of, I caught movement in the corner of my eye just as I was about to look away. It came from closer to the right end of the pool just about where my peripheral vision ended. The depth of the pool was consistent across the entire thing, even where you think it would've or should've been shallow. I turned my head to focus on whatever it was. I squinted, once again spotting the black mass, slowly inching toward my end of the pool. It had to be more than 30 feet in length alone, with the width being around 5. 
Three months ago, I would have assumed what I was seeing in that moment was nothing more than my eyes playing tricks on me. But now, well, now I fully accepted that there was something down there, something alive and probably dangerous. So I did the most common sense thing that I could. I turned around and made my way to walk right out of the natatorium. I didn't want to bother sticking around to find out any more information about whatever was swimming around down there. I didn't have tools to do a thing about it anyway. But as soon as I had reached the door and put my hand in the knob, I froze. The breathing, the footsteps. I heard it again and it was right outside the door. That thing, it was back and this time I finally caught a glimpse of its hideous appearance through the glass in the door. The creature wasn't very tall, just under six feet by my estimation, but that didn't do anything to take away from its grotesque nature, not even a little. Its body shape resembled that of an overweight human, maintaining a bipedal stance as it walked. Its skin was a sickly gray color, with it looking like it had been forcibly stretched over the bones and muscles of the beast. Its face possessed not a single feature, giving it the appearance of sheet metal. Its most disturbing feature, however, was that of the two long and thin appendages protruding from its shoulders. They were bent at a near-perfect and 90-degree angle, about two feet out, both of them covered in these disgusting bumps that traveled up the length of the appendages, all the way to the bent section. The creature turned its faceless head and pointed it right at the glass in the door. Sure, it had no eyes, but I knew somehow, some way that it could see me as clear as day. The breathing was still present and potent as well, despite the lack of a mouth. Everything about it was just wrong, and it was somehow even more horrific and hideous than the centipede creature. To say that I was stuck between a rock and a hard place wasn't a stretch. My heartbeat skyrocketed as I thought of what to do, but it wouldn't matter all that much. I had taken too long to act and it was going to cost me dearly if I didn't find a way out. The beast started moving toward the door, reaching out with those bumpy shoulder legs in order to presumably break it down. I quickly backed up and looked to my left, spotting a lone broom that was laid up against the wall. The creature began to pound on the door with its horrid limbs, and the hinges grew weaker with every blow, which meant that my time was running out and that there wasn't anywhere to hide this time. I darted over to the broom, swiping it away from the wall and then breaking the handle over my knee to leave out one sharp end, after which I gripped the blunt end with my shaky fingers and then I held it behind my neck in the stance of a baseball batter. I didn't expect myself to be able to kill this thing, not even close, but if I lured it in and swung at it, and I kept it from grabbing me long enough to where I could run around and exit the room, then that would be enough. It was all about whatever I had to do to survive at this point. The creature delivered several more devastating bangs to the door, the last one of which finally threw it right off of the frame and off its hinges, causing it to slide across the floor and into the pool, a small splash manifesting before it sank into the depths. The creature then raises those shoulder appendages as if it's telling me it's about to charge, and which it did, violently dashing forward at a surprising speed, considering its previous movement patterns. I evaded the beast by strafing to the left, 
my heart going a mile a minute as I worked up the courage to take a swing at it, landing a harsh blow on the back of its head. The beast retaliated by shooting out its left shoulder appendage straight from my head. I backed up so fast that I nearly slipped and fell as I raised the broom handle to block the attack. It then lunged with its other appendage, so I sidestepped to the right and swung the handle down hard on its limb. Hard enough to burst and draw blood from one of the bombs. The liquid itself was gooey and thick, a light gray color that seeped out from the supposed wound that I had created. But this little stunt only angered the creature far beyond whatever point it was already at. It turned and charged with its entire mass again, catching me off guard and throwing me right off my feet with a powerful impact into the pool. It happened so fast that I didn't fully comprehend it until I was already several feet underwater. Having no time to take a breath or prepare myself, from what I saw when I opened my eyes, the creature itself didn't follow or fall in with me. The water was surprisingly warm too, but that wasn't even close to enough to make me feel comfortable in my current predicament. And I looked down, the black abyss staring right back up at me as I stared down at it. I could barely see my own feet as they were swallowed up by the immediate darkness below me. It was haunting and disorienting, looking like a giant sinkhole. But unlike this abyss, sinkholes were at least somewhat understood. My lungs began to throb, but I was hesitant to swim up, knowing the beast would be waiting for me at the top. But at least I had a chance against that thing, drowning, not so much. I did manage to hold onto the broom handle though. Nonetheless, I quickly made my decision once I looked down to the right side of the pool and saw more movement in the water that was below me. This time, I could make out more of its shape. It resembled that of a serpent, but there almost weren't any details that I could get besides that. However, I could make out two brightly colored yellow dots in the depths. There was a couple of feet of distance between them. It was its eyes. They had to be. It saw me and it was going to be coming right for me. I kicked hard as my lungs filled with water, desperately reaching up for the surface while I swam as hard as humanly possible. Once I broke the surface with a frantic splash, I spit up any water that had entered my mouth and threw my head back to look for the creature. It was gone. Vanished from the position that it was in when I was thrown into the water. I quickly looked around, left, right, and behind. Nothing. The entity was no longer in the room at all. It brought me a sense of relief that I hadn't felt in months, not since I had landed in the library. I didn't waste any time swimming over to the edge of the pool and pulling myself out with a coughing groan. The entire left side of my body felt as if it had been hit by an SUV, which I guess wasn't too far off. I got to my feet, looking down and spotting a trail of the creature's blood leading from where my feet were planted to the door and into the hallway adjacent to the natatorium. It retreated but I didn't let myself get a big head, thinking that it ran because it was scared of me. It probably just thought that I had perished. Regardless though, I knew that it would be back, and I needed to move despite me being drenched and dripping wet. I tried to shake my head and get some of the water out of my hair, 
All my clothes were soaked and I felt heavy. The smell of chlorine all over me now. The backpack felt 10 pounds heavier with all the added weight of the water, and I wasn't sure if the notebook that I had taken was any good anymore, but I didn't have any time to check at that moment. I paced over to the door and stopped just before I actually stepping out to lean forward and look in both directions. The trail of gooey blood had led down to the right end of the hallway, so I instinctively went down to the left, taking the broom handle with me. My footsteps produced a bit of a squelching noise as I made my way down this new section of the school. Part of me considered taking them off in case something had hurt me, but I knew that I was far better off leaving them on. The hallway was what I had expected, a narrow rectangular shape with classroom doors on either side, nothing that I hadn't seen before. So I continued on to find a place to sit down and regain myself. For just a minute before, I resumed wandering. There wasn't much to see in this particular area, just more corridors with lockers, doors, and tiled floors spread about. Although after the death-defying adrenaline rush that I had earlier, it was certainly a nice change of pace. I kept looking around for any flickering walls or strange doors, as it had been established to be my only hope for an exit at this point. The Expanse didn't seem to abide by many rules, but if one thing was consistent, it was that flickering walls were either your worst nightmare or your saving grace. Now that most of my initial shock and existential dread of the Expanse had worn off, and mostly turned into general caution, I felt a sense of anger boiling inside of me, as both myself and the people who never listened to me, and Tiffany, but according to what those agents had said, she had already gotten what she deserved, both for what she did to me and probably countless others. Those armed agents dressed in black were a whole other question. Who were they? What did they want and who sent them? Was it truly the government or something more sinister? After wandering for who knows how long, I got to a point where I had mostly dried off, giving me an opportunity to stop and take the backpack off in the middle of an empty hall. After unzipping it and reaching inside for the notebook, I was taken aback at what I saw. It was mostly intact and only slightly wet on both the back and cover. The backpack was heavily water-resistant, apparently. I opened the notebook up, pressed in my back against the wall on my left and I began to document everything that had taken place since leaving the classroom, all the way up to the chase with the creature and the encounter in the natatorium. It felt beyond cathartic to once again get my story in writing, in a morbid sort of way. There was still the off chance that I didn't make it out of here alive for a second time, and I had somehow prepared myself for the fact that all the people who knew me back in the real world may never see me again. Missing persons cases are always haunting and terrible to endure, especially for the close family members of the victims involved. But at least when someone goes missing on Earth, there's a chance that you could find them. There are trails they leave behind whether they want to or not. There's hope, even if it seems hopeless. But when somebody goes missing via falling into the expanse, there's nothing, no trails and nearly no evidence. Not if you don't see it happen. It makes me wonder how many missing person cases exist solely because of this place. 
I didn't get much time to ponder on a potential answer though, as I picked up on an all too familiar sound heading my way. The footsteps, the loud thundering footsteps, and the low and deep breathing. The creature was back and heading my way one last time. It was coming from behind in one of the adjacent hallways. I slammed the notebook shut and threw it inside the backpack, quickly zipping it up as I put the straps on my shoulders, after which I reached down and hastily snatched the broom handle, gripping it tightly as I stood back up. I'm sure the fact that I smelled like chlorine only made it easier for the creature to track me down, the beast that could sniff you out without a nose. I prepared myself for the inevitable encounter, gripping the broom handle as I backed up slowly, waiting for the creature to turn the corner and charge me. This thing wasn't going to leave me alone, it wasn't going to give up and go away. It would keep coming for me until I took my last breath. And I had grown sick and tired of doing nothing but running, running and hiding. I needed to defend myself and take a stand. The footsteps and breathing grew more potent. I held the broom handle behind my back, ready to swing. The creature rounded the corner, roaring in a sheer rage into feral aggression. It was an understatement to say that the beast was not happy to see me. I was terrified. I thought about how this would be my potential end and that this thing would kill me and that would be it. But as I sat, I was done running. It let out another earth-shattering howl before charging at me but I wasn't foolish enough to try and block him. So instead, I dashed to the side and nearly falling off my feet as I tried to avoid the vicious attack. The creature doesn't waste time following up. It turns and it charges again, throwing out the left shoulder limb that it possessed and slamming me against the wall, my back stinging as I feel it impact the brick. I quickly take a swing at the creature's head with the broom handle, only briefly causing it to jerk to the side before snapping back as its featureless face stared me down. It raised its other limb up in the air, preparing to slam it down on me, so I quickly raised the broom handle and swatted it away. I followed up by then flipping the handle and shoving it forward, impaling the creature in the abdomen area. It cried out from the gruesome injury, flailing all its limbs around in an animalistic rage as it swatted at me. I backed up to avoid the blows, nearly falling over in the process. I lunged forward and grabbed onto the broom handle before pushing forward on it, letting it impale the creature even deeper, avoiding another incoming swat from the beast's lamb. It roars louder than ever before, the lack of a mouth doing nothing to hold back the ear-shattering volumes that it could reach. The entity's blood flows out from the wound, coating several inches of the handle as it also runs down the body of the creature. I let go and backed up, watching as it continued to go berserk. But it wasn't done and it wouldn't go down. Not quite yet. It reached forward and yanked the handle out of the wound, the sound of both its pain to growls and flesh, tearing, being coupled together. Once it's out, the entity then throws the handle several yards behind itself. It lands with a mocking thud on the floor of the hallway, now completely out of reach. The creature then snaps its head at me sideways and without a weapon of any kind, I didn't stand a chance. So I did the one thing I told myself that I was done doing. I ran. Wasting no time turning and bolting down the hall and with the creature now aware of my position, 
it revealed its true speed, taking off after me as I pumped my legs with adrenaline-induced vigor. The creature practically shook the ground as it chased after me. I fled down to the end of the current hall before making a hard left and heading down another almost identical one. The creature was hot on my tail, seemingly not slowed down by its wound. I was sweating and panting like a dog as I kept sprinting forward. I thought that I would be stuck in a mindless chase with this thing, one that would only end in my death once I ran out of stamina, and there was no part of me that was prepared for it. Surviving all of these experiences in the expanse only to die like this, and become another missing persons case in some random police database. But after looping around one hall and entering what looked to be a second cafeteria, I spotted something that I thought I would never be so happy to see. On the wall at the opposite end of said cafeteria, there was a section of it that was just a bit darker than the rest, and it gave off a visually apparent flickering effect. Every bone in my body shrieked with both relief and terror as I felt the beast's presence just mere inches behind me. It was catching up. I had never run faster than I did right then and there, even in my previous escape from the expanse. Humans are capable of some extraordinary things when the threat of death is quite literally looming over them. Once I was only a few feet away from the wall, I threw myself forward and not even thinking about what kind of environment I may have landed in. It was disorienting going through the wall at full speed, but it's not like I had the luxury of being able to slow down. I practically slid across the floor of the room on the other side. I was only given a fraction of a second to take in my surroundings, a completely white, sterile looking room with not a single stain on its walls that I could see. The creature had entered the room with an explosive entrance, charging and ramming me directly into the wall facing my back, all the wind immediately leaving my lungs as I desperately heaved for a breath. Slumping down to the floor as several objects I didn't visually perceive fell next to me on either side. The monster stood over me while letting out a triumphant cry, raising its left limb and bringing it down with an eruptive force and impaling my leg, going clean through my shin and thigh as I screamed with the volume of a jet engine. Scarlet red blood coating my socks and staining the floor beneath me. I writhed and thrashed around before whipping my head to the right and laying eyes upon a pistol on the floor next to me. I didn't know where it came from or how it got there, but all I knew was that it was my saving grace, divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. I clenched my teeth together so hard while reaching over I thought that they would crack. Then I gripped the firearm, not getting a chance to switch the safety off, before the creature twisted its limb within my leg provoking another horrific scream from my lungs. I quickly slid the safety off and pointed the barrel up at the creature's head, pulling the trigger twice and missing each time, the subsequent gunfire inducing it to thrash itself around and drag me along the floor, only causing me further agony. I really thought that this might be it, that this might be the end. But no, I wouldn't go down like I was nothing more than easy prey. I finally come to a stop after all the thrashing and sliding, getting an opportunity to lift the pistol once more, my hand shaking as I aim and quickly pull the trigger. 
The bang erupts and the bullet tears right through the creature's throat, leaving a gaping hole that spewed out the gray blood. It howls, roars, and cries were now gurgled, and its limb slipped out from my leg, causing me to bleed. Even more, it was nearly a small pool at that point. The creature's legs begin to give out. It wasn't even focused on me anymore. It just stomped around before falling forward as it slowly bled, its blood now even mixing with mine as its body landed with a powerful thud. But it took less than a minute for the beast's cries to grow faint while it was on the ground, and soon all movement had ceased. And there it laid, finally dead and no longer able to torment me. But I had a much bigger problem on my hands, one being the fact that I had lost enough blood to cover a mattress. I felt lightheaded and I struggled to stay conscious. Part of me had wondered if I even made it out of the expanse or just entered another section of it. That concern was quickly put to rest through once I heard an alarm of all things. It blared into the room like it was coming through a PA system. A robotic female voice announcing the sentence, Level 5 security breach in armory. All possible agents engage. I managed to turn my head to the left with a groan, seeing that the wall that I had been slammed into was lined with dozens of firearms, rifles, handguns, you name it. I laid my head flat on the ground. It started feeling too heavy as I was slipping into unconsciousness. Outside the supposed door to the room were sets of footsteps, one where you could tell they had boots on and other sorts of gear. A man's voice shouted saying, Come on, move it. This is a breach. I didn't have time to hear the rest before everything finally went black. I couldn't tell you how long I was out for, but when I awoke, I was in a sort of medical bed with various wires and bandaging on my leg. I assumed that I had been taken to a hospital, but... I don't think most hospitals restrain your hands down to the armrests of the bed when you have a leg injury. I picked up two different voices in the midst of conversations, both male and female. I looked around the room for the sources, which itself was lined with several beds on each wall with corresponding sets of medical equipment. My backpack was obviously gone, most likely confiscated by whoever had occupied this place. I'm assuming that I was still in the same building. I darted my eyes to the left, spotting a man and a woman of similar height, but differing in their attire. The woman was dressed in a suit and tie, her red hair thrown up in a professional bun. She looked to be in her early thirties. The man, on the other hand, was on the younger side, fitted in black military gear and armed to the teeth with a rifle in his hands. In fact, he was dressed and looked nearly exactly like the agents, who had supposedly killed Tiffany and shot at me inside the expanse. Who are you people? What am I doing here? I growl, fighting against my restraints with an effort that proved futile in its results. It seems like the kids got fighting him, more than the therapist did. He killed that thing that we found in the armory with him, the man said, with a slight smirk on his face. Oh, I'm well aware. I have received the camera footage, added the woman. He's a fighter. Can you answer my questions and stop pretending like I'm not here? I went on, quickly becoming frustrated. Hey, I'd be a little more grateful to the people who patched you up. You would have been a corpse floating in your own blood if it weren't for us. The woman replies, 
a surprising warmth to her tone, but I didn't fully trust it. Yeah, trust me, we're treating you a lot better than Site 12 would. If it were up to Ted, you wouldn't be awake right now to complain. The armed man chimes in. I had heard of these so-called sites, and I assumed this to be one of them. You see, began the woman. My name is Sandra Locke, and I'm the director of operations around here. As you've seen, our job is not the most ordinary, and you've seen firsthand what we go up against. Heck, you killed a cryptid on your own with the right training and mental conditioning. You could be a seriously talented field agent. A field agent, I thought. Oh, what was this? Recruitment of a kid into some shadowy military faction that kills creatures from a mirror dimension. Had my life truly become this absurd in a matter of months? I was at a loss for words, so instead, I stuck to something a bit more tangible and easier for me to comprehend. Where's my backpack and my notebook? I inquired, unsure of what tone to take at this point despite me still being angry and confused. It's in our possession now, Sandra said. So, what are you going to do? Destroy it and make sure not to leave a trace so then the world would never know what happened to me? I asked, rather rhetorically. Well, no, quite the opposite. We want you to finish it. To write everything that has happened since you landed in the library up to now. No one already believes your story, but it'll raise suspicion if someone's so bent on exposing what everybody else knows. As absurdity all of a sudden vanishes. At least this way, anyone who is stupid enough to take a serious interest will think you left according to your own delusions. I laid there silent, not sure how to respond. But I'll be honest, she made a decent point. One that reinforced what I was in denial about all this time. I tried everything to make people believe me and nothing came of it. Not a single person came to my aid, even those whose very job was that. This is the first sort of actual hospitality that I had received in months, even if there is a catch to it. Not to mention the people around here had experienced things probably crazier than even me. I'd have the comfort of knowing that I would be surrounded by people who could finally relate to me, even if it was in a pretty bureaucratic setting. You've seen things you're not supposed to, Sandra continued. Now, standard procedure would be to terminate you, but you have shown us that you're useful and I would much rather get your help than clean your brains up off the floor. I started thinking about my parents and as much as I had been angry with them for ignoring my concerns, I still love them. What would they do if I simply up and vanished again? My parents are probably already filing a missing persons report for me right now. I shot back. You let us take care of that and know your parents will not be harmed. But after what you've seen here, we can't let you make contact with them again. Once again, who are you people? I grilled one last time. Oh, you'll learn more about us as we go along, but I think it's pretty clear. We are the people who hunt things like the one you kill. The things that go bump in the night. Monsters, cryptids, whatever you want to call them, we exterminate them. And keep them out of the knowledge of the public. This world would drown in chaos if a new would truly lurch around every corner. Your therapist, for example, had to be eliminated. She was far too psychotic and would have been of no use to us. And I think we both know you don't exactly mourn her after she tried throwing you to the sharks. She would have drawn too much attention, with her quite literally having a door to the expanse, as you call it, right in her office. But you're different. 
You are indirectly throwing people off the trail, which is why we need you to finish what you started and join us. I can assure you that you will be well compensated for your work. There are many opportunities here at the agency. Wouldn't you like to be able to go back into the expanse one day with a fully armed team and kill everything in there that ever tormented you? And will torment or kill everything else who ends up there? I'll be honest, her offer was intriguing. My instincts were all telling me to say no, but what choice did I have? Decline and die or accept and become some sort of monster-killing soldier. I'm not sure how much I wanted that kind of life, but I did, however, want to exterminate everything living inside the Expanse and maybe the Expanse itself, if that was even possible. I wanted to avenge those who didn't make it out like me. Those who fell victim to that place and never lived to tell the tale. Sure, I would have to sacrifice my mission of getting the truth out to people, but if I destroyed the very threat that caused it in the first place, then it wouldn't even be necessary. So I took a look at Sandra and made probably the worst or best decision of my life. With a long, drawn-out exhale, I asked, When do I start training? Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Wherever you may be in the world, I hope that you stay safe and sound. And as always, stay creepy.